Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition, very special edition of the Hagman Report. It is Tuesday. It's um, October 24th. Yeah, you know, <laughs> stumbling right out of the gate. That's not a good sign. But there's a reason for that, because I'm overwhelmed by the uh, uh, by the individuals we have in studio, uh, one of whom is seated at our desk, and that's the honeybee. You know her as the honeybee, Melissa Zacharia. And let me tell you something. Um Opening this show, I just want to make a statement very quickly. And here's the statement. Those people who believe, for example, that uh, Pizzagate is not real, who believe that that Pedogate is not real, who believe that the uh, uh, information that that we have seen in the Podesta, the infamous Podesta emails, is taken out of context or minimized, uh, I, I want to say something very, very nasty, because after after what I've seen today, the information, the documentation, the uh, the hard work of the individuals we have in studio today, including the honeybee, Melissa, Melissa Zacharia. Let me explain something to you. It is all too real. It is all too prevalent in today's society. And with us, we have Melissa Zacharia, known in, on on the internet as the honeybee, and she stings. And, and she, I like to think of her as our own Penel, Penelope Garcia. I said that before, and with all due respect to Melissa, I mean, you have to watch what, what is that uh, show? Help me out with the name of the program. Criminal Minds. No. Oh yeah, Criminal Minds. I'm sorry. Criminal. <laughs> I, I I get that mixed up with the other one, the um, um, uh, Naval Intelligence Show. NCIA. Thank you. Yeah. But nonetheless, she is, she, she's a scary lady. And I say that with the love in my heart. Uh, she's very effective at what she does. And you don't want her on your trail. You don't want her on your tail. Believe me. She can really, uh, she, she, she her expertise and the crew in, in the studio, their expertise is unbelievably fantastic. Uh, we owe really all of us collectively owe all of us or oh, uh, we owe her and her team um, a real. Um, we're we're in, we're in her debt because the work that they are doing is is in the field is incredible, and they've traveled uh, quite a distance to be here, actually from different parts of the country, and we spent the day with them and working in advancing the um, advancing the. Uh, uh, objective of, of helping those in need and there are plenty and Melissa has brought with her uh, some cases case studies and some information and that's my opening statement I just want to appeal to everyone uh, everyone listening everyone watching this please 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 understand we're dealing with a sensitive topic we're dealing with victims we're dealing with young victims we're dealing with a very uh, I, I just it's it's indescribable almost what we're seeing. Do not fall into the trap that, that the mainstream media is painting that this is, this is overstated in any way. If anything, it's understated, it's hidden, it's covered up. And we have to put a stop to it. 
It's revolting. It's repulsive. And any other adjective I can throw in there. But you know what? It's necessary to talk about because if we don't talk about it, who in the world will? It's necessary to to talk about because of the of our children, uh, of the of the innocent victims. And if you ever want to tear up and cry, um, just just look at uh, the work that that the honeybee's done, and, and the, the rest of the crew here. And we're going to get to everyone individually. Uh, in fact, go to our Facebook uh, or uh, Twitter feed, and you can see some pictures, behind the scene pictures that uh, John took. So, uh, without any further ado, I just want to introduce her, toss it to Joe. Joe, uh, go ahead and bring on our, our guest. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have a, a number of people in studio, uh, with the honeybee, and we had a great afternoon. We sat down, we shared ideas, um, investigative findings, and, and went over different, uh, theories and areas, and it, and it was a lot of fun, and it's always great to have people in studio. And we got a lot of great information we're going to cover tonight. And we have the honeybee sitting right next to me as they made what was it an eight-hour, eight-plus-hour drive to get here and spend the day here. And uh, we know how those trips go and how uh, how much fun those <laughs> those car rides can be. But we're so glad to have you on here. their own dime too. <laughs> yeah, and I have yeah. to say that, and, and you know, which which. I would say this as well. If you find it in your heart, listen carefully to each, uh, to the honeybee. Uh, and I'm not going to give away the rest of the program, but, but, but please support their work. That's all I'm going to say. Support their work. It's, again, if not you, who will? Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Absolutely. And we, we have a number of areas, uh, of topics we're going to get into tonight, uh, both with the honeybee. And with Andrew in hour number two, and they're both going to be in studio. And make that Anthony. Anthony, I started. I'm sorry, that. you I did started start that. that. Yeah. And Andrew, that's you'll figure this out in a month. Uh, we were just at Eric's wedding, and his brother Andrew is uh, a very talented and funny guy. He's going to be coming on the show. But that's what uh, my father uh, said I, I, to I, Anthony uh, earlier today. Yeah, that's wrong, right. Andrew. So that's stuck in my mind. So sorry about that, Anthony. Anyway. We have the honeybee with us, and she has brought some interesting evidence and insight into a number of very relevant topics, and some that seem to have lost relevance, at least in the world of the alternative media, with pizza slash pedogate. And I believe this is where you want to start today, uh, is it not, uh, Melissa? Absolutely. And again, thank you so much uh, for you and your team, uh, John Robertson and Eric back there, um, for for having us here today. It's it's just a huge pleasure and we are so overjoyed and grateful for this opportunity oh, I, so. I can't believe you broke through security to get here i mean broke through <laughs> uh, we got we've got good security and they no, no i'm just kidding um we but, found uh, out where you lived we we didn't need an address <laughs> but um yeah. it, in all seriousness um th- this is uh this is some information today that i'm gonna gonna share with you folks out there um i did share it with with joe and doug um my team really delves into a lot of these these child exploitation cases um, where people don't usually go, um, especially within our mainstream media. Um, they do not dig and they do not report on what they're supposed to be reporting on. And, and, and Elise, if I can't interrupt you right here, because you just uh, said something so important, this Las Vegas investigation mm-hmm. is one of the great examples of what she's talking about. We have you know a, a plethora of information. I printed out a 15-page PDF 
on Stephen Paddock, his his casinos that he had mm-hmm. uh, membership cards to, his rental car, uh, his travel itinerary, itinerary for the last eight years, all this information, not one piece that the mainstream media even asked about, let alone dug into to find out. Then we see headlines like this we saw the other day. Uh, 124 arrested in, in child trafficking ring, 84 children rescued. But then that's it from the story. You don't get the names. You don't get the backstories. Well, mm-hmm. Melissa has done the legwork. She has gotten the case documents and records. And this is something that the mainstream media will never get into. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from um, a great uh, deal of cover-up where there are people in these institutions and establishments that are actually perpetrating these crimes. Um, they don't want people to know how complicated and complex these networks are. And it goes from your your local government all the way up to the, you know, presidential staff members and, and, and government and police and military. Um, it is it is astounding what we see. I, I was I was amazed when you say um, the perpetrators are some or often or sometimes the individuals who are doing the investigations or, or in positions of power. I was I was just amazed to see your findings on that, mm-hmm. and I think people really need to they, they really need to understand how prevalent it is in that in that respect. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so where do you want to start? With do you want to start with the the, the case here, or do you want to start some? By the way, again, I just want to just want to say the 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 codes the you for you know how people say well the codes are taken out of context the lingo for for pizza game yeah yeah when we talk about you know uh, you know the top from the Podesta emails we saw a number of odd references to pizza pizza parties cheese pizza, different kinds of sauces, mm-hmm. and it was all weird. And then there was symbology also associated with it. But when you looked into what the FBI said were uh, different types of codes and symbols for pedophilia and uh, promotion of pedophilia, they were all there with the you know yep. definitions of mm-hmm. what these symbol were, uh, code words and symbols meant. Now, in this interesting case, um, that Melissa has uncovered and showcased here in the in the police documents show uh, you know some fascinating stuff related to Pizzagate and the some of the admissions that the mainstream media and even the authorities denied and ignored when the story first came out. Yep. So go ahead. Sure. So even even this week, okay, we have a a, a man. Actually, this was last week. Excuse me. We're in the uh, beautiful uh, beginning of the week, of course, but mm-hmm. last week. Um, a man by the name of Stephen uh, Salamak. He is a corrections officer in New Jersey. He was arrested for child pornography receiving um, and distributing. And what they found, and I'm going to actually have Eric, if you can, uh, actually just skip right to um, number two and scroll down to exhibit B. If you can show our our folks out there watching. Um, If you look down on the third paragraph... Uh, it's labeled the investigation number two. In or about May 2017, a law enforcement officer working in an undercover capacity responded to a Craigslist personals advertisement placed by Salamac entitled Women Slash Moms That Are In To Cheese Pizza, okay. which is sought to connect with the mothers who are into perverted topics. Now, this is off of the Department of Justice website. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, these are documents provided by our government and, and just showing you that there are people getting arrested for exploiting children, hurting children, um, and they are posting ads on, on social media to, to find uh, people that are into or want pizza or parents that are willing to sell their children um, in code, using code for sexual exploitation um, and activities that are related to that. Yeah, um, now, if I can, Lisa, this is a uh, United States District Court, District of New Jersey document mm-hmm. written by an agent of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Homeland Security Investigations, and they, you know, do say, they come right out and say it, that the man posted, the corrections officer, posted an advertisement entitled, Mom, or Woman Moms That Are Into Cheese Pizza, which means they were into perverted topics. So that blows the lid off of any of the uh, people who are out there trying to say that there is no relation between, you know, Pizza Gate, as it were, was known, and pedophilia. I mean, the connections are right here in the Department of Justice's own document. And this document was filed on October 19th, just five days ago. So it's it's really important that people stay diligent with these cases. You will find these code words. And there are many code words. Um, You know, today we're going to be talking about... um, Specifically, the, uh, a pizza-related one. Um, this is something we've been looking into for for about four months now. Um, this was a case where uh, a little girl, her her name, God rest her soul, she is not with us anymore. She was murdered and raped um, and strangled to death by a relative, mm. uh, along with his boyfriend. Um, this little girl, uh, she. <laughs> She has a Facebook profile, <clears throat> and what we see, and I, I might ask Eric actually to show, um, you know, some of the profiles that she has on Facebook. Uh, if you go to number five, Eric, if you could, um, you'll see she has a number of profiles. Um, no, no, the child does? Yeah, Jack, Jacqueline O'Connor. Okay, and so someone, if I'm hearing this correctly... Someone would have would have had to create that profile on her behalf, obviously. Absolutely. So okay. what we found is that her her uh, her relative, uh, James Brower, um, him and his lover Tobias uh, Wooding Runstrom, they were both arrested for the rape and murder of this little eleven year old girl just this summer. Um, These are two guys. Two men, yes, uh, somehow related to this girl. Um, his children are half-siblings of this little girl. So this family is very interconnected. Um, we are looking into it. Uh, as for calling out other family members' names, we're, we're very suspicious of a lot of the activity, especially the amount of Facebook profiles that most of the family members have. Um, we're finding a trend here with children, and we're specifically going to get into Jack, Jacqueline O'Connor's Facebook profile pictures. Now, okay. if you go to... Number six, Eric, if you could show our folks out there, and if you guys can take a look at that third page, this is her profile picture on one of these uh, particular profiles. Okay. This is a picture of Mm. pizza in the shape of a heart uh, with various uh, peppers, pasta, and pepperoni on the pizza. Now, there's not just one. There's two of those profiles for Mm -hmm. Jacqueline. Um, there is another one um, that is not showing here, <clears throat> and I think Heather told me earlier that it might have been taken down offline. But um, 
there is allusions here to pizza and pasta. Uh, we have heard that peppers uh, is some sort of, you know, symbology of maybe being a, a difficult, maybe a challenging child, maybe puts up a fight. That might be something spicy. Um, you know, the pasta uh, represents, uh, I believe, um, little little boys possibly. And, you know, this heart shape is another thing, especially Carolyn Lamacco. She does a great video on the symbology that the, the pedophile communities use with hearts. I also did the heart symbolism video as well with heart progress, but go ahead. So are you saying that the people who perpetrated this crime are the ones who created the po- profile with that picture? So what you think? the proof that we have that these were created by James Brower, um, they're the one um, profile, and I believe it's the one that says uh, 5780. Okay. Um, that is like a score she got on Piano Master. Um, and remember, guys, this is a little girl um, who is who's not with us anymore. And nobody's reporting on um, the specifics of her case. These guys, yes, they go to court and they go away. You don't hear about it anymore. It is the real hard facts here of what our government and our police are trying to cover up with the symbolism and this advocacy of pedophilia throughout our, no, our culture. Is it, is it the... And, and I guess this is the right time to ask this. Is it the police, the investigative agency, or is it the media, or both? It's both. It's okay. absolutely both. There's complacency, uh, and there's higher-ups that are, are telling police not to, to let release that information, not to investigate that. Media doesn't release, um, obviously, a number of this stuff because, A, um, the people that pay their bills and the people that are responsible for creating your news networks. They, this is the last thing they want sure. out there. They use these codes, folks. <laughs> it's not just these guys. I mean, th- this is a local, you know, a local yokel situation here, but wow. it goes from there to high up. And like I said, with this profile, her, her relative, James Brower, created the profile for her. Uh, at the bottom of one of the photos of her, she wrote back and forth with him, explaining that she was kind of piffed that he created the profile uh, for her and then put a certain picture and said how beautiful she was. So, How, how old of a girl is this that we're talking about? If you, and, and pardon me if you said how old or her age. Yes, uh, Jacqueline is 11, was 11, was 11. Okay. years old. Yep. Yep. All right. Beautiful little girl. I, I feel a little weird. I was going to print out pictures and show you, but mm-hmm. I don't know how um, some people, it might be a little bit much for them. This is very heavy, heavy information. It is. And, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so important to talk about. Just because it's just because you're uncomfortable hearing it doesn't mean you shouldn't hear it. And um, that's one of the one of the biggest uh, complaints, uh, Melissa. I get, especially from Christians and conservative Christians, self-proclaimed. Well, we shouldn't be talking about this. Of course, of course, we should. The reason we haven't is perhaps contributing to to the deaths and, and to the situation, in my view, anyway, uh, because this needs to be exposed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So. Okay. Um, right. That is just that's a little bit more for you guys to understand how pizza. Uh, pasta and things like that. This is a definite, it's a definite, uh, what's the word I'm connection. looking for? Not so much a connection, it's a, it's a, a, a red nope. flag for you to, to look further. Right. You know, there is information behind these symbols and you will find it. Do you think, Melissa, in your experience, um, 
Do you think the, the the term Pizzagate was misused improperly or mischaracterized, or um, because it's so much bigger than than what it? Mm-hmm. It's so much bigger than than the pizza shop in Washington D.C. or whatever pizza shop is. It's it's. I don't know. I just I I just feel like um, well you know when Infowars kind of uh, was was accused of backing off of the story of Pizzagate. I, I think that. Didn't quite happen that way. It was to widen the widen the view of the of the of the uh, of the subject as opposed to backing away from it. It was widening, you know, because Pizzagate kind of confines it to one situation when I think it's much bigger. But your thoughts on on, on the term? I absolutely agree with you, and I've been say, saying this from the beginning. Uh, the Pizzagate. Pizzagate is in Watergate, as in a cover up right. of something. This is the cover up of uh, pizza being used as a word to sell children for sexual exploitation, uh, pornography, whatever it may be. Pizza, CP, child porn, cheese pizza. That is where this comes from. It is not a new terminology. It's been around for, for many years since the dark web has been around. They use cheese pizza as their code. Now, to go further with the Comet Ping Pong Pizza, yes, this particular pizza references, this pizza parlor, uh, you have these weird pizza images on their website, on the Instagram, and then it's it's kind of peppered with really sick pictures of children in compromising positions with really inappropriate comments by m- men and adults and women um, talking about sexual things with these children appearing in the picture. Young babies to toddlers uh, wearing pizza uh I apologize for saying it, pizza slut instead of pizza hut shirts, right. little four-year-old children. Um, this is this is why it was so inappropriate for us to be like, hey, Comet Ping Pong Pizza, um, this is a family restaurant. What are you what are you folks doing over here? So this this connection with the the dark web and then Comet Pizza and then the whole cover up of the situation, then it was deemed Pizzagate. Pedogate is the worldwide child sex trafficking industry that has been going on for decades and decades and that has been covered up for decades and decades. So, you know, you have the Franklin scandal. You have um, the Hosanna um, the Hosanna Church case uh, that was actually, uh, True Detective is based on that story. Please, if you can, look into the Hosanna Church um, in Oklahoma, um, excuse me, Louisiana, and see what was going on with those kids down there. Um, and it was a church. It was a, a local church doing this with kids. Um, this, yeah, what was that? What was that case? Yeah. What was that case where uh, back? It was back in the eighties that uh, the the tunnels underneath McMartin daycare. Preschool. Thank you very much. I, I, now, how much have you looked into that? Very much so. Okay. Ted Gunderson did a lot of that work for us. Okay. Uh, God rest his soul as well. Now, your findings with that, because I remember, oh, it was it was hyped up. It was the false memory syndrome. Mm-hmm. Not true. Right? Well, no, because those people that were pushing for the false memory syndrome research and pushing that, these people were involved in, in the abuse. They were people that were involved in the local government. Um, this was a government-wide situation. I mean, it wasn't just some of the teachers and some of the parents um, you're looking at networks that include your local government, that include your national government. It's okay. And that, that is reality, and that's very troubling to hear. 
um, when we saw it in the the Franklin cover up case uh, with uh, Larry King, not not the Larry King, but Larry King from uh, Omaha and uh, the Boys Town and such. So. Um, and it seems like all of these overlap. It's to, to some extent they overlap, and they just—is it me or is this—is this just getting worse and worse? I think it's getting worse and worse because people like you and people like me and my team and others out there that are working with us as a as a unified front are actually shining the light into this darkness. So now I think it is coming out more and more. I'm trying to look at this as positively as possible, folks, right. because it is, it, it's a hard road to walk every single day looking into this stuff. Tears, tough nights, you know, we all have kids, you know, it's really, it's not an easy subject to look at, but I am not going to stick my head in the sand because that's what's been going on for decades. And that's why this stuff wasn't being talked about. Yeah. Melissa Zachariah, also known as the Honeybee, is our guest. You can find her on a YouTube channel under the Honeybee and, uh, of course, on Twitter at the Honeybee. And uh, definitely follow her work. You're listening to the Hagman Report on this, the 24th day of October 2017. We're going to forego the network break. We want to thank Global Star Radio Network for allowing us to do that. And uh, we're just going to continue to push forward because all of the information Melissa has is so incredibly important, and, and we want to get every word in. So yeah, just go ahead and continue because we're... Uh, yeah, you get a, an, another interesting case um I guess with where you would call, not only was this person a member of the U.S. military, Mm -hmm. but he was a a high-ranking official doing a a number of things, uh, of different things inside the military in a number of uh, 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 departments. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, I'm like, why did she give me this article? So I'm reading through the article, and then I come across the next article you give me. And wow. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's get into this. Humphrey's deputy commander to bid farewell. Um, this article talks about uh, a David uh, Frods, Frodsham who will say goodbye to friends and co-workers during a farewell dinner April 6th in the Community Activity Center. He's leaving the U.S. Army Garrison Humphreys after serving as Deputy Garrison Commander for almost five years. His next assignment will be as Deputy G1 for the U.S. Arm- Army Network Technology Command uh, in Arizona. Yeah, can you believe and that? I it mean, also goes wow. on to talk about how he, uh, he worked on some project helping children. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. In his, uh, in his service here. And here it is. Uh, Fraudsham helped oversee the beginning of the largest construction project in the Army. Also, Humphreys added the splash, I'm sorry, the splish and splash water park in the child development center. So, what a nice guy. as the army is bidding farewell to him, what happens next? Right. So, not only are they faring well to him moving up and being promoted yeah. in his command, um, he's going off and doing some really amazing things. And mind you, this man um, works in uh, Netcom, which is in charge of internet policy through the United States Army. They are the ones that deal with all of cybersecurity. So, oh, isn't that nice? Now, this guy seems yeah. like a great guy, doesn't he? And also his wife, you guys don't have this, she's also affiliated with uh, Forcecom, MCOM, overseas branch of the United States government. Um, this is a, a newsletter from the uh, Director of Intelligence Personnel Management um, for the United States military. So 
Not only that, he was a foster parent. He is a foster a fa- parent. Now, you've got to be approved for that. You've got to have in-house visits, right? Or, or, or am I wrong? Absolutely. Um, now, if, if, if Eric can take it over to, uh, I believe it would be number nine, <clears throat> which is one of our last links. Um, um, this, this news article is about David Frodsham, the man we were just talking about, uh, being arrested in a child sex trafficking and pedophile ring uh, within the Hauachuca Army Base, along with another man named Randall Bishak, 25 years old. Now, not once in any of these articles, not any articles that are addressing this, this actual arrest court case, any documents that you look into, not one says anything about him being affiliated with the Army. They have Randall Bishak, the 25-year-old, who I, I guess was in a military band. He's kind of like, you know, a smaller part. He's the fall guy. They'll put his name on the military, but um, not David Frodsham. And that is something we actually wanted to hold on to for a while, guys. But I felt it was so important, Heather and I and Anthony, we felt it was so important that you guys see this. This is an open court case right now because after... This man received a child by the name of Devaney Calderon. He took this child. Uh, they did, uh, you know, sexual exploitation on her. They made videos uh, doing things with her, sexual activities with her. They were selling, buying, using this little girl uh, while he was in the care as a foster parent, as someone who's to protect her, not only to protect her, but to protect our country uh, being in the military. Um, so... She gets taken away from this uh, this guy. We want we want Arizona courts to understand that we know about this man and that we know he was in the army, and that if the army isn't going to do something to uh, punish him with the law, because I know when you're in the army and the navy and things like that, uh, you, you do get separate punishments for these kinds of uh, for these kinds of crimes. Uh, so we would like the courts of Arizona to acknowledge the fact that this man was also in the military um, and one of the highest ranks you can have at this particular air, uh, this army base and that people are going to find out about it. We're going to talk about it. Even Medical Kidnap uh, reported about this little girl and this little girl's story does not end because <clears throat> Devaney, um, she was taken out of his care and put into another foster care uh, home Okay, so Devaney was put so, so, uh, with another foster with care another, parent. Yep. Okay, and and I'm sure the nightmare does not end there, right? No, it does not. Yeah. So Devaney was put with another foster care family uh, by the name of uh, Austeris. That is the last name. Um, it was Jason and Samantha. Now, Jason and Samantha, they really wanted to adopt children, and Jason's brother... Uh, called CPS and warned them that they should not give any children to Samantha and Jason because Samantha was highly violent and had mental problems and that she should not have children. CPS denied his claim and gave them this highly traumatized child who was sexually abused in a pedophile run run by the military. Okay, They take her and put her into this new home where there was already a complaint made about the parent being abusive. The child is with them. Uh, I think it was for maybe a year. 
Um, this woman plunged Tavani into a scolding hot bath of water, held her under the water. When she was taken out of the water, her skin was peeling off. She had organ failure, and they she didn't call the ambulance until a few hours after the incident. Now, this woman isn't just any woman. She is a behavioral analyst for the state of Arizona. A behavioral analyst deals with children, especially autism and emotional difficulties. They are there to help children learn to deal with issues that they may have. So, does she have any any role in in, in her in using her position to um, uh, to to advance the placement? In, in other words, was she involved in the process, or was she just? Um, the perpetrator. Well, what we're finding now, there is a court case, and I'm, I'm not sure if I actually got this to you guys. There is a huge court case open right now concerning Devaney. Okay. The child was taken from the mother at a very early age because of very menial things. Okay. They take the parents, they take the kids from the parents that really just deserves maybe some services to help, but they find it much more lucrative to take the child and put it in the, the care of the state. And then the abuse starts. And we're not sure why there are some great adoption stories where kids are really happy where they are, and then there's other networks that get a hold of these children. We're, we're feeling like it might be on a local ba- level uh, because everyone in this court document uh, from the fraud champs, you know, Barbara and his and David, right. uh, to the Austeras, Samantha and Jason, along with Catholic Charities, along with the adoption agency that was responsible, along with Arizona CPS, are all being taken to court on behalf of this child by three different law firms. Wow. All right. So, so, so this is not an isolated case. And, and, I mean... <laughs> so no, it seems to be ongoing. It seems to be there, there's some sort of... Mm-hmm. You've got a inter- metastatic situation. molestation yeah. network where you have people in different... Uh, positions of power in different cities, for, whether it's from the police or CPS to, uh, you know, and men and women and people in, in high positions of the church where a child will be moved into placement from, we'll say, a parent who shows neglect into a place where, uh, you know, an abuser who works for CPS can put the child into a home where they will be abused and exploited, not just for the people who are taking them in, but for the group of people who are part of the network. And it's absolutely disgusting, and I'll be the first one to say that uh, from these two people, the Army guy and, and his partner, um, to the to the mother, or the mother, the foster woman who took on the, they should all just be put to death, uh, you know, immediately after trial. There's no room for people like this in society. When you go to the extent that you do to hurt children like this, mm-hmm. whether it's through pedophilia or this, you know, horrendous physical abuse that leads to death or permanent uh there's no place in society for people like this. And I don't care if you people have issue with what I say about the death penalty. There you go. No, I believe there's an it. issue for it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason and purpose for the death penalty, and if there ever was, it would be that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Amen. Well, okay. So, so where do we go from here? And, and folks, uh, I do want to say that the Melissa, the honeybee, uh, and her team, they're working very hard to, to uncover this. And they're working... Um, just from what, I, what I've seen, uh, firsthand, I gotta tell you, um, 
I, again, we owe them. We owe them for what they do, and certainly we, we thank Melissa, the, known as the Honeybee, on uh, Twitter and also on YouTube. Uh, it's her, her work's incredible, absolutely incredible. So please follow her and, and subscribe to her YouTube channel and spread this information around. As delicate as it might be, as as revolting as it might be, we've got to get a handle on this and expose this. Uh, Melissa, go take us anywhere you want to take us from here. We've got, uh, again, we, we skipped the network break, so... Uh, well, I have an idea. We have 20 minutes left. Uh, Melissa, why don't you tell us about what what it is that you've... Uh, what else are you working on, you guys are working on, that you can behind tell the scenes? Yeah. yeah, what are you investigating? Any upcoming um, appearances you got going on? Anything mm-hmm. breaking? Um, and then any updates on the, the, the Pedogate investigation, mm-hmm. what we see with the human trafficking rings, if we have any you know inside information as to the progress of some of those investigations? Anything you're working on or looking at that you feel is important? Absolutely. So this is an ongoing um, work in progress for us. We okay. we are really starting to, as opposed to you know making videos and sharing everything we got, we we chose to share this stuff to, to share with you folks so you can see it, and and have faith that there are people out here that are trying to to make this right, uh, because you cannot, like I said, depend on your mainstream media. They are a part of the problem, and anybody that doesn't see this as being a real situation is a part of the problem. Um, just want to put that out there. Please do your own research. It's absolutely imperative to the future of our world, of our existence. Um, so the importance of having people on the ground doing this research um, and doing investigating. I mean, we're out there looking around um, trying to find these symbols. And what we're finding is that there are codes uh, just out there in, in, plain, in plain view. Uh, you can find these networks. There, there are some things that I can't tell you about what we found. We will tell you what we found. Um, but if we need an army of people to do this together at the same time to yeah. really blow the lid off this, not just on my channel or the Hagman show or maybe exactly. it gets on to Alex Jones show. This needs to be like everybody needs to get together, not tell anybody what's going on, like just this this group of this army of 144,000 people I say <sighs> to to really get the information from their local towns, their local cities and then just blow the lid off of it. And Melissa, if I could just jump in real quick cuz you made a great point uh with the symbolism. What the oldest form of communication is symbols mm-hmm. to communicate right. since the you know Babylonians and and the civilizations before them. One of the great examples we see today of hidden societies and uh, secret proceedings is Freemasonry, the, the the secret society. And as private investigators, when we worked out of town, just about on every case we worked, in no matter what town we went to, you would see uh, Freemason lodges. Well, they never just said, you know, Freemason lodge in big re- in big letters on top of the building. What you always saw was the square compass with the letter G in it. That's how you knew it was a Mason Lodge. It's a symbol. Mm-hmm. And just like with uh, Freemasonry, these uh, the, these child molesters, these pedophilia rings, have the very you know similar symbols, uh, not similar to the symbol of Freemasonry, but they use symbols to be able to identify one another without speaking that language out loud and possibly incriminating themselves. And what we have to do is be able to find out what those symbols are and infiltrate these organizations, gather the evidence, and 
uh, be able to bring these to the authorities who are going to make a difference, not the authorities who might be in on it or a part of it. In some cases, they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we can, um, you know, formulate a plan to go about this effectively, but I'm sure there are ways it can be done. Mm-hmm. M- Melissa, directly, if I can ask this, have you seen any discernible change since uh, Donald Trump has, has been in office with respect to the act- activities and actions of the Department of Justice or anything perceptible, anything noticeable that you could say, oh, wow, man, with the new um, the new head of the Justice Department, there has been some positive activity against uh, these child pornography and pedophile, uh, pedophile rings. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that President Trump, he is definitely aware of what's going on. The second he was in office, we saw a an explosion of busts and pedophile-related coverage in, in the media, which we don't really see that. I mean, if you understand, this this first guy I was talking about, uh, Stephen uh, Salamak, mm-hmm. this is a yearly sting that they do. Um, and, and to be honest with you, there were kids in that sting that were three months old and, yeah. and five years old uh, and, you know, eight years old. These aren't like uh, prostitutes of 17, 18, 19, 20. I'm not saying that, you know, obviously 17 years old is still under the age of consent in some of our states, but um, these are babies. These are babies uh, that they're rescuing from pedophile rings, from sex trafficking cabals where they are selling children for sex. Um, now, that's, this was just another bust last week. So, yes, I am seeing a huge uptick in effectiveness and acknowledging that it's children in our country. This isn't somewhere off in another third world country. This is in the United States of America. And I think and I'm confident and I'm blessed to have uh, finally a president uh, that is willing to acknowledge it and does call out our news and, and says, you are fake news. Um, I think that is very brave of him. Um, we are in very, very tense times right now in our wow. country. Well, yeah, indeed we are. And that's interesting because we're, we, we, we've been hearing and we'll get the occasional email. Well, nothing's being done. Nothing has been done, but you've seen it. We've seen it. There seems to be some percept, uh, some difference, at least. Um, I do, I do think that there's been a change and I think that, uh, the, Department of Justice on a national level and then the police departments on a more regional level have done things to um, up their game, I guess, a little bit mm-hmm. since the new sheriff's in town, so to speak. Right. So, okay, this is good. What about the uh, occult? And we're going to have, I'm sure we, we, we have people asking about this. What about the occult aspect of it, the satanic aspect of this? The, um, well, you, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, built this shrine, and and that was that was never really reported on with, with human bones and, um, it, very satanic in nature, very demonic. Mm-hmm. What do you say about that? What, what's what are your what are your findings with respect to that? Well, the dark occult, absolutely. I mean, occult means hidden. Occult means knowledge that is hidden. Um, I I am finding that this dark side of this occult belief, um. They feed off of terror and trauma and fear. So it doesn't, it isn't a surprise to me that, I mean, to even think about what they're doing to these children. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. It's so unbelievable that it, it has to be some sort of beyond supernatural 
kind of darkness. Right. <laughs> because how can a, an actual loving, compassionate human being actually want to hurt a little baby who doesn't even know how to talk or smile yet? I mean, it it just blows my mind. Yeah, it's either some kind of uh, absolute just uh, uh, mental disorder or disconnect, or it is pure evil and darkness that really drives us. It defies credulity. It really does. Absolutely. When we look at this. and So, kind of to, just to go back to the beginning, <laughs> excuse me, this does wrap, or this does verify, authenticate Pizzagate, if you will. But it's bigger than that. It verifies the, the pedophilia that's taking place. It shows you, and Melissa has shown where the um, the individuals involved are some of the very people who are supposed to be protecting us, and they're not. No, absolutely that's, not. That's where it, that's and where they it have is. the hidden knowledge. And I'm telling you, there is a level of knowledge that is 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 kept from us. And the fact that these people have knowledge. Um, to create or manifest whatever devious plan, and I'm telling you, they have devious plans for us, folks, um, and they've got to be stopped and exposed with light, the the goodness, the love, the the Christianity part of it. The just if you if you're not into Christianity, I pray for you. Be a be a good person and don't hurt kids and fight for that cause. You know, you don't have to be a Christian to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but if you're watching the Hagman Show, God bless you. Um, for that, but um, this is darker than than anything I think we've ever seen um, with so many people living in this earth right now and with all the technology to communicate with each other that we're seeing just such a wide, vast epidemic of this darkness and occult activity with the, the taking of children and using them for whether it's, I know they're doing sacrificial stuff and they're not just doing it with kids. You, we're we're going to talk about Vegas in a little while. I mean, if if that wasn't a, a some sort of sacrificial uh, right, I don't know what is because that is not a straight story that we're getting, and there is something really, really bad going on behind the doors of of the truth of of, of that situation. I don't think we're getting the story um, that we should be getting. And, and, and Melissa, did you see the stories this week? There were two stories. One was unconfirmed. It was put out on YouTube uh, format by a pastor in Michigan who titled it, Families in Michigan Are Disappearing. And it didn't give names or anything, but it just talked about this phenomenon of people, mainly mothers and daughters, that were disappearing. And there was a number of uh, people, apparently the congregants of this guy's church or another church who were saying that they don't know where these people are going. And also, a more documented case in Kansas, 40 children who were in the CPS system have disappeared just this month. They were taken from their parents, put in the care of the Kansas State CPS, and are now missing. And as John and I have talked about on our daily show, we are approaching the Halloween, uh, you know, occult holiday and rituals during the fall season from the end of July into the beginning or end of December. These are these high holy days where these uh, occultists and and, uh, priestess and, and witches and warlocks perform these types of rituals and ceremonies. And we see the, you know, increase in tragic events that happens around these times, whether it's economic or otherwise. And we see the increase of, uh, what happens to children in these, and, and other, uh, people for the purpose of ritualistic killing and, and otherwise. It's absolutely frightening to think that, you know, uh, how can 40 kids who are under the control and supervision 
of the state being taken away from their parents by the state due to some kind of uh, uh, perceived or otherwise uh, you know, negligent or abusive part on the parents now have vanished, and the parents will probably never see them again. And how many of these cases go underreported to the point where, you know, we see these statistics every year, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, children missing every year, never to be found, but we don't hear anything about it throughout the year, not till the statistics come out five years later. That's right. And that, that sort of segues into, I, I think, what we saw. Isn't it interesting what we saw in Haiti, the uh, Haiti earthquake, what was that, in 2010? Um, yes. And then, of course, the rescue operation down there, the Clinton Foundation, Laura Silsby. It kind of overlaps, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So w- any comments about that whole situation, and even uh, even to the extent where, uh, even if you want to touch on the, the Clinton emails, although I know that we kind of... Um, Hovered around that that topic earlier on, but uh, with respect to the codes and such. But any thoughts on that whole subject? Disaster capitalism, mm-hmm. Haiti, Laura Silsby emails. Disaster capitalism, absolutely. Yeah. That is, a, I actually, I've never heard that put that way before. So I think that is exactly what that is, but because it's not just it just Haiti was huge because you had someone that was already arrested. Uh, previously for trafficking children, trying to traffic children out of the country illegally uh, to the United States of America. This woman arrested twice, uh, pardoned by the Clintons, and then gets a nice cushy job working marketing over at uh, AlertSense, which is the technology behind Amber Alert. Man, you can't um, make the, that up. I mean, that is, it's, it's like a movie. It's like a movie, folks. It's a nightmare movie, that, a horror movie we're living in with, with these people. But that kind of um, disaster capitalism, we saw the same thing with um, the kids and Save the Children uh, over in uh, J- Japan, um, where there are children missing. There, there's peacekeepers coming in and abusing the kids and trying to sell the children. Um, this is the kind of uh, program networking that you have these huge foundations, like the Clinton Foundation, um, where they... They're, uh, we're going to send our people in there. We're going to build buildings. We're going to we're going to take care of all the kids. We're going to reunite them with their families. <laughs> you know, they have this great write up. It's like you know this thick, like twice as thick as this, with all of the promises and bells and whistles. And then they, you know, they get your money because you, you, you're pitching in as well. Um, and then they set up these projects. Right. These projects never get done. All the money that was supposed to go to building those. 400 houses or repairing those 40 schools or building that, uh, you know, home for those children that all their parents had passed away. Those projects are, there's no oversight. Nobody's looking to see if they built those houses. Nobody's looking to see, uh, what's going on until they do their yearly Clinton Foundation thing and you see the numbers. Oh, we spent this much on that and this is how much we made because there's either revenue or there's just money left over. They didn't, you know, we had a little bit of revenue. Yay. Millions of dollars for us uh, at the expense of uh, people that are dying and suffering after disaster. And the Clinton Foundation is the worst. I'm telling you, they they have their fingers in every country that has that has issues like this. You, you know, I was, and Joe, I know you, you saw this, I was amazed at some of the blowback by the Haitians, by the, by the people in the Haitian community saying. And government. Uh, yeah, saying, get out of here. We don't want you mm-hmm. to the Clintons. 
or in the, but I think they showed four small buildings that were built with the billions, billions of dollars that were raised by Americans to the Clinton Foundation to help rebuild Haiti. And I don't think these people are welcome in Haiti anymore. Oh, I don't think Peter, yeah, them in Peter Schweitzer talks about the Clinton Foundation, of course, uh, uh, their role in, in disaster capitalism, capitalizing on disasters, of course. Um, all right, we've got what, just only about five minutes left or, or so. Um, what, uh, how can we best help you? And I, and I know in the alternative media, we need to all band together. But how can we best help you? How can our audience best help the honeybee? Well, I mean, we're working on a documentary to get all of this information out there into a, a very nice uh, program where we cover everything we've talked about tonight and more um, and how it's all connected because um, even even Vegas is connected to this stuff, guys. I mean, these, these situations that happen, it, it is disaster capitalism on many levels, this Vegas situation. Um, and a part of my team is, is Anthony. He'll be coming on a little bit later, hopefully, and, yep. and talk to you guys about that. Um, but if you want to donate to our, uh, our fundraiser for our documentary, I mean, I have a Patreon account, but I don't, I don't really ask people for money. I mean, I work my, my other job and I, this is something that needs to be done. I'm not looking to be paid for it. So if you're going to want to help me and my team and Heather and Anthony, um, donate to our, to our fundraiser for our documentary so we can travel and meet these families and these kids that we're trying to help. Uh, the bulk of our travel is to uh, communicate with families that have gone through this corruption um, and, and understand how we can help them, get their cases heard. Um, we have one woman who has a gag order. She can't even um, have her website up anymore talking about the court corruption in her own case. Hmm. Uh, you know, We're flying out there, hopefully, to talk to the family because we can't, unfortunately, talk to her Um that stuff's important, and we want you guys to know what's going on. And, and Joe and I and the rest of the crew here at the Hagman Report have been very, very touched and honored um, to see what uh, what the honeybee and her team is really all about. I can say this. They're the real deal. Uh, she's very effective. No, they're all very effective uh, at what they do. And I certainly, I would put my... If I was a betting man, I'd bet on their success. Uh, I just say that. And, and I'll tell you, this one scary lady, she can do a lot That's of great. stuff with the, com- with the, uh, computer, <laughs> with the computer. You're an awesome person. In, a, no, <laughs> in studio not. guests, we've had, um, we've had Jack Cashel. Yep. He's been an in studio guest. We have had Joseph Tessie. He was, uh, most recently an in studio guest. I think I think she's our third. No, we've had one more. We've had one more. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, regardless, Coach Dave. Oh, that's Coach Dave in studio yeah. guest, and now uh, we have Anthony and Melissa. Yeah, uh, and, both and on the Heather same in night. The background, so, but uh, yeah, and and Heather too, um, their researcher and friend. So you guys are four and five in the what six seven year history of the show wow. people to be in studio guests and it's uh it's always fun when we bring people in um because and you can tell because i get to the studio and my, my dad's hair you know sticking straight <laughs> up and i said hey you want anything from the store he said death 
<laughs> but no, we uh, got some food in here. Everybody got in here. We sat down, brainstormed, kicked some ideas around, oh, yeah. ate some food, had some laughs, and a good time. And here we are doing the show. But I got to tell you, they're they're very good at what they do. Do not even even though we we were just uh, you know making a lot of it, uh, and it's because of the topic, the heaviness, you have to. But they're very good at what they do, and they're very dedicated and committed. And you talk about traveling on a budget, they are so. Uh, God bless each, you know, God bless every, each, each one of them and the members of their team. So we're going to get behind them. And that's the thing from, from this point forward. We, we all have to stick together or else we're going to get hung separately. Yeah. Uh, and we have to make the difference. Go ahead. And, uh, uh, the honeybee is going to be sitting with us in through the next hour. Oh yeah. And, uh, we're going to be talking with Anthony Cord, uh, I mean, I knew I was going to mess this up. Cordonega. Is that right? Card- no. Cardonega. Cardonaga, even though John phonetically spelled it out for me, I still mess it up. Cadornaga, Cadornaga. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Well, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So uh, we're gonna bring him on. Let him Andrew, introduce right? himself. We don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I, my my name gets butchered every time I'm on a show. So you know, but, it's just going through the. <laughs> but she'll be with us, uh, hanging through to to this next interview. And we're gonna. This is when we're gonna get into Las Vegas. We're gonna get into the oh, FBI. Yeah, stick around. We're gonna get into um, not only that, but uh, the Clintons, the Clinton Foundation, the Haiti earthquake relief disaster fraud. That was the two plus billion dollars that the Clintons took, and maybe even um, the Uranium One scandal. I'm not sure if we're gonna get into that or not. There's enough to talk about next hour, just alone on Las Vegas. So it's gonna be a very fascinating show, folks. You're listening to the Hagman Report. On this Tuesday, August, uh, August, October 24th edition. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Green Innovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Green Innovative. But what Green Innovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly, yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greeninnovative.com. That's greeninnovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Precious Timber... edition of the Hagman Report. That's right, the Hagman Report. It is Tuesday, October 24th, 2017. The reason I mentioned that date, this is a historic date, at least in my view anyway. We've got in studio, we've got the honeybee, um, Melissa Zacharia. We've got um, Anthony. I was going to say Andrew, but I, no, no, I caught myself. Anthony uh, Cordonega. Did I pronounce that right? Cadorniga. Cadorniga. See? Cadorniga. Cadorniga. I'm going to be working on my letters or er, <laughs> numbers tomorrow. Once yeah. we butcher a name, we all butcher it. I'm going to tell you, it, it, it's like it, it's it's metastatic around here. But uh, you, you you can follow him at Liberty Column on Twitter. And, of course, he's got a website, thelibertycolumnist.com. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. All right. That's good. And the reason I'm pointing over there is that's where Studio B is and that's where he's at. And of course sitting in with us this hour as well is the honeybee. So let's get right down to it. Uh, and M- Melissa go ahead and introduce Anthony. Because well, I think you'd be the person to Thank do it. you. This is a this is going to be a really big treat for you folks because uh, Anthony uh, he's been on his own channel on uh, the Liberty Columnist. Um, he's been uh, starting off. This This guy has got Liz Crokin, I don't even know who this guy is. He's got like maybe 150, 200 followers in the beginning. He's got Liz Crokin on, breaking news that she's getting kicked out of town hall um, and harassed for her reporting. And this is the guy I go to the YouTube channel of this man to watch this breaking news. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. (laughs) How did he get her on his show? He is just this uh, charismatic really bright amazing soul and mind he's a beautiful brain and um he's a dynamic young man unbelievable really unbelievable and you know at the ripe old age of early 20s 21 <laughs> um he has done so much uh for this movement of truth um and he the stuff that he finds i'm telling you he he is bold Definitely a rising star. Big time. Yep. Big time. Yep. So, so with that, from follow him at Liberty Column, at Liberty Column on Twitter, and, and uh, it should be up on our screen, and, of course, the LibertyColumnist.com. With that, let's bring on Anthony. Go ahead. Say the last name. Anthony Cadorniga. Cadorniga. Okay, there we go. Let's bring him on. Anthony, welcome to the Hagman Report. 
everybody. I'm glad to be here, honestly. Um, I can't even express how happy um, I was to hear about the opportunity to come on and, and talk to you all and and um, share this message with you guys. Um, and, you know, also just want to thank you guys for letting me in general sure. um, come here and, and, and share part of your platform, especially with a lot of the work that we are that we're doing with our documentary. Um, and I'm, I'm just so grateful to be here. Well, you know, it was it, it, it's amazing. I uh, any expectation that I had just was, I mean, blown out of the water. Meeting Melissa, talking with Anthony, seeing what they're doing individually and collectively, and of course, I can't forget Heather, um, who was part of their team. Just unbelievable what they are doing. And I really I want to get behind uh, both of them and really support them. But, but Anthony, where should we start? Now, you're doing a documentary. I am. Okay. Just tell us what it's about and whatever else you want to toss in there in terms of, um, well, acquaint us with what you're doing. Well, I'd probably have to preface it saying um, early on in the game when I first, you know, met Honeybee herself, um, Melissa over here in the corner, great person um when i first when i first met her um we we had a very long talk um the first time we that we got in touch and it was a lot about all of the current um issues that were breaking at the moment it it had just been i think it was past uh november after the uh pizzagate news had came out um and there we we realized later on a few months later that there was really this deficiency um in the market of alternative news that is you know in, in general, as it as it includes you know YouTube as well, um, and this deficiency lied in the fact that this notion of PizzaGate was so abstract and it was so um, to to the point of it, it, it being hard to individualize um, where all of these these massive crimes and um, all the things that people have been had been researching into, and so ultimately we came together and we decided that we were going to go after this this topic. We were going to show to the world how you can inv- individualize um, all of this stuff in the real cases, people with real um, cases of their children being taken away from them um, through CPS, and and real real cases showing showing the actual illegal intervention on behalf of uh, judges and 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 CPS alike and we wanted to show this to everyone because we were tired of seeing this all being about one event um James Elephantis um Comet Pizza Comet Ping Pong um it, it's so much more than that and i think this was in in general for whatever reason it it fell apart mm. for whatever reason it broke um i think in general that they turned this story against us they turned this story against us to do the opposite of what I said to collectivize the story to make it all about one specific location and and they derailed it from that end and, and they, so, they, they were able to and by doing so mm-hmm. they, they were able to um, to say it, it it's it's nothing but it, you know a conspiracy theory as they like to put it so that was their intent after it broke right I mean uh, but by limiting it to that one location or that that you know the, the one individual or just a limited number of individuals, they were able to basically take the wind out of the uh, sales of the investigative researchers. Right. Okay, which which and, and folks again, if you didn't 
here the first hour uh, with Melissa Zachariah, known as the Honeybee. Please go back and and tune into that that first hour. So there it is. So okay, your documentary is of course to expose the larger collective, um, shall we say, operation here and operations going on in the in the United States or across the world. Right, and okay. and there's basically what we've come across is throughout all these individual cases, it rings this overall symphony of of the same mo, the same exact thing happening in every single case. Um, seeing government intervention um, working on behalf of corrupt judges, corrupt lawyers, mm. um, and and all of this coming at its head. And so, like I said, we wanted to show to the world that there's so many of these cases, and it reaches into the darkest um, sides of, of of society. Things in the occult. Like Melissa had mentioned, um, there are, there are real cases of satanic um, ritual abuse that you know we're, we're getting we're getting information you know coming in um, th- through our lines of all kinds of people um, with these with this information. Now the important part I wanted to talk about is you got to vet this stuff. I mean everyone understands um, with all the amount of um, material coming in, you've got to vet uh, these cases, and we've just. I mean, slaved away at vetting these cases, and I have missed nights of sleep, countless amounts of sleep with this. Um, and we've come to to an utter a, a conclusion of this all, um, and it doesn't look good, guys. It doesn't look good at all. And we're seeing this happen, like I said, in many, many, many cases. I cannot stress that enough. I, I was amazed at, you know, I'm an investigator by profession. And I was just amazed at the standards, the self-taught standards by uh, the, the, that Anthony uses, Melissa uses, uh, Heather as a team. And, and let me let me say this: I, I would I would back them a hundred percent based on just what I've seen today. And so, so your vetting process is is second to none. So thank you for that. Um, because one one misstep, and Joe, you know, talk about tedious work. Yeah, um, yeah. One misstep, and you know, people who are looking to, uh, you know, as many as the SRA cases that are legitimate are, that are out there. You always have people. I'd say maybe ten, twenty percent who are trying to. Uh, some people have mental disorders where they need to be the focus of attention. Other people just want to, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know, create confusion and make people who are looking into this stuff look bad. Well, this is something Heather Mindorf and I were speaking of. I, I yeah. said her name. And Heather's you have way. people who can plant certain pieces of evidence to make it look as though uh, when you vet them that it will it will show that they are who they say they are and they experience what they say they've experienced just to be bamboozled in the end and made to look like a fool. And there are people <laughs> out there both in the government and in positions of power who will hire people to do this I mean, one of the great examples, look at Scientology and that actress from uh, uh, King of Queens who... Leah Remini. Leah Remini, who was yes. this huge Scientologist her whole life and finally started to speak out against Scientology and she started doing a TV show which showcased a number of families and people who have been torn apart by this cult and how they have come after her and the families who have speaking out using private investigators trying to plant evidence, create false charges. That's right. Uh, you know, making fake cases of vandalism. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you're up against when you deal with these powerful organizations who seem to have a protection of evil around them. And it's very frustrating when you're trying to do this work. Opposition yeah. research at a whole new level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll continue, Anthony. Um, we, I know we, we didn't mean to take you off your stride, but no. Yeah. I mean, no. I I appreciate the discussion. Um, yeah. So so ultimately, you know, we're asking for you guys to support um, with this project, and 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 we're asking for that support because we need to make flights, we need to do interviews, we need to rent camera equipment, and and what we're finding is so explosive um, that you know we have decided you know, to go out and, and put our lives out on the line here, put our necks out yep. to do all this work. And, um, I, I can't stress enough to people, um, how much that beyond this, just the support that we've already gotten has helped so much. Um, and yeah, so. <laughs> okay. Well, what's it like, Melissa, um, what's it like working together? I mean, is it something that you, uh, it's very natural. Wow, I just, Okay. It's very natural. I mean, Heather and I, and Anthony and I, and Heather and Anthony, you know, we, we all talk separately. We all talk together. We have conference calls. We're on the phone with people. We report back to each other. We bring people into conference calls with us and have them give their stories. I mean, we are constantly working. I'll have someone that I'm, I'm working with. And if I go away or if I can't help them at that moment, Heather will jump on and she'll take over. Anthony, the same thing. Like, we're all just very much a cohesive team, and we get along really, really well. I feel like they're my brother and sister on some level. Um, it's that easy to work with them, and their passion, their passion that I feel like is measurable. Like, I thought I was the only one that was obsessed with looking this stuff up every day and reporting it to everybody because I didn't think anybody knew what was going on. Um, I found two people that are are there with me and it gets it gets all, me all, a little emotional because i mean yeah it, it's it's hard all three of you are very intense and, and you haven't seen heather uh of course behind the camera but i'll tell you all, all the three of them uh kind of force multipliers working together uh, and individually but uh heather's together. like the john robertson of of the operation oh yeah <laughs> let me yeah <laughs> she's like you saw her doing paperwork and printing stuff out and putting She's um she's gone through this stuff uh, personally. It, it makes me feel good being the elder person here, knowing that that we've got people like this in the younger younger much younger than I am, to to uh, continue forward force force on. So I think it, you could take a few people in this room and add their ages together. Hey, and not no, even, no, uh, no, 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 get to you. <laughs> I, can, I can still whoop you. <laughs> no, I can't. No, but it is great because you know. In the news and in the, in, in the world of politics and and in, in the universities and Hollywood, we see this millennial generation portrayed as this, uh, you know, politically correct social justice warrior, triggered, can't do anything but act on their own emotions, can't think for themselves, you know, uh, no work ethic, you know, me, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. And that's the complete opposite of what we have sitting in the studio today. Absolutely. And it is, um, Unfortunately, it is the uh, exception to the rule, but as long as there are still people like this out out there, there is still hope, and and that's always the the key thing that we have to remember. Amen. Well, well, Anthony, all right. Something, if if we can. By the way, the uh, all of the links to support uh, the, the documentary, Anthony, the Honeybee, it'll all be in the program description or on the Hagman report. But we'll get you in the right place. So please do that, especially with the documentary, because there's a lot there. And and this is, 
again, as Joe said, very tedious work and very time, mm-hmm. very soul sucking, if you will. But Anthony, we were talking earlier about the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's get into this. Uh, you know, I was on KFAQ with Pat Campbell this morning at uh, seven thirty, I guess it was, and we were talking about the Las Vegas shooting. And I realized after speaking with Anthony for about oh, I don't know, half hour about the Las and listening to what he had to say, I thought, man. What am I doing on there? They should have him on there. So, <laughs> well, I'm hey, you know, it's, been, it's been what twenty some days. What shooting are you talking about? Because I haven't seen yeah. anything in the news for weeks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no evidence. There's no motive. There's, I mean, what shooting? It's it's gone. It's out of people's minds. It's out of the news minds. Yeah, Anthony, let loose with your investigative findings, if you don't mind. Man, you just blew me away by some of the things that you were saying. Yeah, I mean, with the Las Vegas shooting, I mean, initially coming across that from the from the very get-go when it happened i had the worst feeling about it um and so instantly just starting to look in, into everything and um eventually you know all of the narratives starting to fall apart was really what was the biggest observation to see um and i mean if we're just let's just go ahead and get into it i mean because the thing is you know you've got you've got conflicting evidence you've got conflicting testimonies You've got a lying FBI that first off is absolutely discredited. Yep. Has always has has been discredited for a while now. Let's not forget the fact that they literally, in their rhetoric, laid out an indictment almost to Hillary Clinton, but then decided to completely do a 180 on that and not indict her. And so it it shows the ultimate um theme of a compromised federal bureau of investigation. And Anthony, and, yeah, yes, I'm going to interrupt, but I just no, want to ahead. stop here. I think this is important. For those of you or of us who were awake on Sunday evening and got the initial news of what was happening and started to follow it and remember the details and what you heard on the news and what you saw on the Internet. And the next morning, within 12 hours after that initial shooting, you go back to look at the news and all of a sudden, uh, you know, there was only one shooter when there was like 40 that night. Right. Uh, I mean, so much ISIS has already been ruled out. Uh, terrorism has already been ruled out. They made all these conclusions, you know, within the first Timeline 12 hours changes. of investigations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all that first 12 hours of the investigation had disappeared from uh, everybody, especially the news media's mind, from the reports of shootings at 100 different casinos, from somebody mm-hmm. saying 45 minutes before the concert attack happened that everybody was going to die and they were surrounded. I mean, all these different things were completely, you know, forgot about and left out of the news. And the next day you wake up and it's no, no link to terrorism. We don't have a motive and the investigation's ongoing. So just in that, I mean, the cover up was quick. They uh, neutralized the information they wanted or felt was damaging out of the mainstream media's narrative or explained it away uh, very vaguely in an article here or a segment there. But for the most part, um, all that initial information disappeared. Well, yeah. And Anthony, let's take it from the top, basically. What, what do we know? What do we know? Well, I mean, to be honest, what we know is almost about diametrically opposed to what's reported. And that's kind of the scariest part, if everyone's listening. And what we know from the get-go is that there are multiple shooters. It is on testimony alone, as well as on videos. And there's multiple casinos where the shootings were taking place. There, There were tons of rounds. This is all found on film. We don't have to go through that end. We know that's the case. However, in the media, they have been framing this at a simple lone gun, a lone gunman, lone shooter, lone wolf shooter did all of this. 
And, and I mean, one point that I was thinking just the other day about it was, okay, so let's say it's just a, a lone shooter. Okay, let's put that uh, disposition aside. Let's say that's true. Now, if this was a lone shooter and, and you know he shot all these rounds in this room, where are the bullets? Okay, where are all right. where are all the exactly where are okay. all where are all the shells? Because I we didn't see as much as that that we found shot on all of this uh, all of this citizen footage. Um, beyond that, here's even more of 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 a of a great reason to see why this is a total deception. Um, because when when you think about a lone gun shooter happening. Are occurring in a situation, and he's shooting outside this window. Are you telling me that there would be no uh, casings falling to the lower sub roof of this casino? Yeah, go ahead, go online, go on the Google Maps, look at Mandalay Bay, look at the fact that there are multiple um, uh, roofs, and and the fact that if someone was shooting out of that window, all these rounds loading off, you would find casings on these places as as they would drop down. The hotel. Sure. Now, why isn't the media picking that up? Why haven't they found that evidence? Because it would just greatly benefit their narrative. Why? Why isn't that occurring? Because it's not there. Because it's not true. It's not true. And so that's how you know this is a complete farce. And that's how you know there's an aligned movement right now in the media to cover all of this up. And it is aligned and orchestrated. Okay. Do we? Now we've we've all seen the pictures of. Uh, the alleged shooter, Stephen Paddock, did he do the shooting? Was he one of the shooters? Was he involved at all? And if so, to what extent? Well, that much is is kind of been very gray. Um, we've found a lot about Stephen Paddock himself, um, but what's not really adding up, like I said, is 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 this idea of of a single motive of a single shooter. Um, people asking, how could this guy have done it all by himself? Why would he have done it? Um, and, and that's, that's where the, you know, casuistry and everything starts to happen, where they manipulate the discussion. And so no longer we're discussing the fact that all these bullets were fired and that there are multiple shooters and that no longer is that even warranted for discussion, what I just said earlier. Right. We're not saying that. Um, and so it's totally against logic, the way that this investigation is going. What would be the motive to keep uh the truth from the public i mean in this case do you think because i could just tell uh, and you must have done uh, i mean i don't know how many hours you've got invested in, in research and investigation in this but what would be the motive for keeping the truth from the american public in this case i mean that's that's the thing that um you know, i know it calls for speculation yeah it's i mean with the, here's the thing guys i mean with the evidence that we've been given that's been released to the public it's just not enough and that's really the point, is that we need the evidence to emerge. We need the tapes inside of the, all the casinos to emerge. Why hasn't that been released? Uh, why hasn't the parking lot that is that's connected adjacent to uh, the Mandalay Bay, uh, why hasn't that footage been released of possible cars leaving during the time of the shooting? Um, you know, we can't get to a, a discussion of what really happened or what the motives were if we're not given the evidence. True. Okay? True. And and we can't begin to build a case that is substantial enough if, like I said, the evidence is not there and what we are given, some that is called evidence, is absolutely fraudulent. Okay. And, and I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, uh, with you on that. Um, what have you found that I think, what have you found that would, would, would make people do a double take or I would, what have you found that would that surprise you upon finding? Is there any one thing when you looked into this 
Well, um, on my channel, we actually covered this. Um, you can go to my YouTube and see the, the video okay. for itself. Um, we had an anonymous um, citizen of ours go to the Campos house where there was uh, Mr. Trey, uh, Troy, excuse me, Troy Goff, the security guard, the alleged security guard there. Um, when we went there, uh, which Laura Loomer had gone before, we had gone a few uh, days following that, we actually found something we were not prepared to find. Um, we were going to go there to ask questions, um, get get answers if possible, but what we did find, which was the most breaking news, the reason I actually released it so urgently, was because this man guarding this house had no license plate on his truck that was parked on the street. Had no license plate on it. In fact, you review the footage, go to my video, you'll see the fact that not only is there no license plate, there's an, in, there's an example of intent there in covering up the license plate. There was a white towel over the license plate. Okay, so that that was nuts. We were not expecting that to happen, and so I instantly released it. And um, I, I, that was the first thing that uh, really made me start to realize that there's a lot wrong here. Um, who is this person in, in, in general? Um, and so, so you 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 were you were you caused that to be yeah, that was your video that was your yes I that was we we did that in concert uh, it was me and a friend of mine um, and and their friend and it was the three of us and we we did do that video wow. and uh, awesome. I had to conceal the identity of the person for their safety okay um, and like I said we weren't planning on finding what we found but it was at that point it was um, it was unbelievable. And now, did you do the subsequent visit video? Uh, uh, because when you, okay, that, that, didn't that show, okay. there was a difference in security okay. guards, right? Okay, what happened first is, uh, Laura Loomer went to the house. No, he went, they went first. After, we actually went after. Oh, you went after. Laura okay. went to the I'm house sorry. first, and this is when Jesus Campos was missing, and a woman answered the door and said, I can't talk, I'm not allowed to talk, something like that. She came back. A day later, a couple hours later, I don't remember what it was, and there was a man in khaki pants and a red shirt with some kind of gold badge on, and he was, uh, they, they found his name, Tom Fenton or something like that was his name. He actually was a registered embalmer for an old company, security company that was no longer, um, licensed anymore. That's right. And, uh, he was told Laura Loomer not to uh, she wasn't allowed on the property, but she wasn't allowed to ask questions. Nobody was allowed to ask these people questions. Then you guys came, and you found the the vehicle with the white cloth covering the license plate, but there was no license plate to cover. It was covering the fact that there exactly. wasn't a plate. Which who can who's allowed to drive around without a license plate? That's the question. That's the question for you, Dad. Who's allowed to drive around without a license plate? Um, do Even I get license plates of undercover uh, operatives come back as a no hit? They have plates. Yeah, it just comes back as a no hit indeed. Uh, folks, we're talking, we're, t- we have to take a, a bottom of the air network break. Uh, we have in studio, of course, Melissa Zacharia, the honeybee, and of course, uh, the Liberty columnist, Anthony, and I, I don't want to screw up her name like I've done. So, Melissa, I'm going to give you the honor. Anthony? So, there's Anthony Cadorniga. Right. And Heather Mittendor. Okay, thank you. <laughs> See, just push it off on someone else. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. The Hagman Report on this Tuesday edition, October 24th, 2017. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being part of our of our listening audience. We really appreciate it. And, and tell others about this program. We'll be right back.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Lisa Honeybee with my friends here, Doug and Joe, and my research team, Anthony Cadorniga and Heather Mittendorf, and we are here sharing with you 
um, really big breaking news we did tonight um, relating to Pedogate. And now we're back here with uh, Anthony Cadornica in Studio B, uh, bringing us up to date with some of the crazy research he has discovered um, regarding the Vegas shooting. Um, Anthony, let's bring it. <clears throat> let's bring it back to some of the other, the other um, highlights of what you've seen. Um, we, were, we were talking about the shells, the absence of shells. Um, you know, there is all this chaos, people running around. Um, th- there are multiple multiple reports here of people, you know, either shooting at different places. Um, you had some crazy, I, I mean, it's not crazy. It, it, it just, when you showed me this, it just completely changed the whole uh, possibility of, of how this was actually um, possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, we can go into Mike Adams. Um, and then I, I really want to talk about um, your, your rail, your railway um, discovery and, and how that might fit into the narrative of a lot of the, the multiple people that said this was not just at the Mandalay. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, Mike Adams had earlier released um, a audio analysis, acoustical analysis, trying to locate um, and triangulate the sounds of the shots and the fact that there were multiple shots, multiple, multiple shooters. Um, and operate this, and we already do know that there is uh, nefarious things at MGM happening before uh, this attack that gives credence to this theory here. Um, you got people, the CEO himself, actually cashing out on this disaster and, and cashing out a large portion of stocks um, before it happened. So the notion of employees being in on it as in a sense of a chain of command in the company, absolutely. It's not anything that uh, we should rule out. Um, from the get-go, and, and especially after this uh, this information that I came across, um, I had the idea that possibly either, you know, an escape route was utilized on that rail, um, and it would have gotten you right out of there very quickly. It would have been dark. People would have noticed um, chaos ensuing. They would have been um, looking around them on their eye level, running everywhere. They would not be looking for moving uh, carts. There's cars everywhere already moving. That's not what happens in a disaster. People don't look for that. Um, so it's just a, it was just an area of speculation for me that I found really interesting when I tied the fact that it was actually 10:30 that they cut off, um, and so it, it just seems like you know I even had this discussion. The last thing I'll say with uh, with Melissa here um, about the fact that maybe this wasn't even a bunch of shooters. Maybe there were a few shooters. Maybe this was guns planted um, in places that were automated. Who's to say these guns were fired by humans themselves? We live in the day and age. It's very possible. Uh, the military does it. They have been for a while. Um, and so ultimately, the, the next step you go with this is, okay, if that's the case, then is there possibly a, a an idea of mounting that gun on a trolley car, uh, mounting that gun on the trolley car to slowly move very ever so slowly, or maybe a, a, a track um, is actually programmed for it to move at different speeds, at different velocities, and actually have an intelligent pathway to go down and shoot different people uh, with an automated weapon um, and cause total, um, you know, disarray as to where these shots are coming from, who's shooting them, and what do we find out at the end? It's some some guy in the 32nd floor, you know, shooting all these shots. Like, you just can't buy it. Real quick, uh, just about the stocks, because you mentioned the weird activity surrounding the MGM CEO 
the MGM stocks and the George Soros put options. On September 17th, we saw the MGM stock reach a uh, three-month high of $34. And just a few days after the shooting, it reached a 52-week low of $29. So when we talk about the uh, movement of the... Uh, we know the, the CEO of MGM in three separate months leading up to the shooting, sold stock in MGM. That's right. Huge blocks. The first two right. months, he sold maybe 15% total. The third transaction, which was maybe three weeks before the shooting, he sold about 80% of his total holdings in MGM, which equaled about 8 to $10 million. And then we saw the stock uh, you know, drop about $6 a share within the two weeks following the shooting almost indicating that there was some kind of foreknowledge. And I wonder, you know, we see the the names of the, you know, the the MGM CEO and the George Soros. I wonder how many other people, it would be interesting to get a list of people, uh, you know, between September 1st and September 29th who made big moves on MGM stocks who otherwise uh, had a steady balance sheet with them. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, All right. Which, by the way, the research that Anthony has done, uh, I, I was watching it and I was watching him explain it to me and th- some things that we cannot even say right now. And just leave it at that. Um, that, uh, um, together as a team, Anthony individually, uh, it's incredible. Just incredible findings and, and research. What about the, what do you think about, uh, the security guard himself. He had mentioned, of course, that you visited the the home of the security guard. Uh, what about him? Hero? I mean, he appears on Ellen, disappears and appears on Ellen. Um, thoughts on him? I have a few thoughts on him. Um, <clears throat> so, first off, just, just to get this part out of the way, um, that guy that showed up on Ellen, that's not the same picture. That, that doesn't match the picture of, of Jesus Camp as we saw before. It's just not the same guy. Um, it, it's, it's similar. They have similar tracks in their facial hair, the way it grows. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's got a round face, totally, totally different hairline. Um, it just doesn't match. That's the first part that literally, as I was watching, I was like, something's not right right there. Um, and the fact that out of all outlets, you're going to go on Ellen. Um, and do, do you think that that was initiated on on just his behalf, no, he had he had firms or some kind of um, consortium of people telling him come on this show. The MGM. Uh, and, and there sorry you go. to interrupt Anthony, but the absolutely M- no. Absolutely. MGM is doing damage control, worried about the billions of dollars of potential lawsuits from families. Saying that the MGM was worried and concerned that Jesus Campos would not be able to keep his timeline straight under the pressure of actual journalist hard questions and they were concerned that that would lead to a number of extra lawsuits with the timeline discrepancies showing the MGM's incompetence because one of the things people need to realize in Las Vegas one of the last things any casino is going to do is call the police unless it's absolutely necessary they want the the least amount of publicity this is why they have in-house security both armed and unarmed is to be able to handle things like this without getting police involved and they will hold off on getting the police involved until the very last second because bad publicity and crime and shootings in their casinos equal less tourist dollars. And what I think they did 
was not realize the severity of the situation right away, and whether it was a six-minute interval between when Campos was shot and the concert goers were, were shot at, or it was much shorter, it didn't matter. I think the MGM was, was in damage control uh, at the first reports of somebody with a gun on that floor, and I think that has led to a lot of confusion in this investigation also. And I think to go a step further with that, um, we already know, this is like overt information, everyone can find this, that corporations are heavily invested in covering up um, things that happen that have to do with their companies. And literally there are markets out there called public relations firms that cover these things up. Um, and so I, I would challenge others to find those websites, look at exactly what they say they do, um, and you'll see that they talk about cooperating with not only these corporations and covering up whatever case you got, how much money you got, but they also admit to cooperating with law enforcement. I mean, it, it's a ruse. So, I mean, it, it, it's an industry that was born out of Edward Bernays back in the day, um, you know, talking about, you know, the findings in his book, Propaganda, that he publicized and talking about coining the word um, public relations and what all, what all that meant and how much manipulation is involved in that art. Um, and now that art that is normally most others would see as deceitful has now been bona fide today into actual markets. Are you telling me actual companies now like make money by lying to the media? And that's, that's an actual legitimate bona fide organization. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And so I would highly urge people to go, Look at all these firms. Check them all out. You'll find things. You're absolutely right about the PR side of this, and I'm so glad you brought up Bernays. I just had a conversation with Pizzagate Howie a month ago about that whole uh, that whole error of turning the propaganda into like a commodity tool uh, for for the masses. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, there was just. Such a inspiration. I mean, I think even Hitler was interested in a lot of that information. Um, to go back to you know trying to do the damage control because that that is a huge part of this, and that is why the judge in Las Vegas put that uh, that jurisdiction out, um, put that judgment out to preserve the evidence, the glass from the window, the the, the shells from the the bullets. Um, all of, of Jesus Campos' schedule. Wanted to know every every day he worked, what days he worked. They wanted to know about uh, Stephen Paddock's gambling record. All things that are very easy uh, to produce. Um, yet, MGM International is fighting this this uh, document uh, that they have to preserve <laughs> the evidence. You know. and, and, Isn't that and, insane? And let's not forget the fact that who are the ones that, that are covering up most of the things right now? I mean, we don't even have tapes of anything happening in these casinos. Like, multiple casinos, guys. I mean, and, and, I mean that's the thing. It's like, who's, who's to look for, for their motive at this point? It's the people not coughing up exactly what they should do for the public, the right thing to do, release the tapes. I mean, my God. It's like, what is wrong with these people? I mean, and it's not just the tapes in the casinos. It's like... Like I said, the narrative is destroyed. It's fallen apart. We're not talking about uh, the, the tapes that can also be in the parking lot. We're not talking about all these things that we should that maybe 30 years ago people had the sense to talk about. Well, look at the tape of we we are told that there is uh, the shooter, Stephen Paddock, had a first-person tape as he carried out the act. He was taping himself and what he was doing. Release the tape. Release the audio. 
why is it that we're told that the note that was found in his room, which held trajectories on uh, on the bullet trajectories uh, firing into the crowd, how come if that's all that's on the paper, they can't take the note and show it to you? Instead, they can only tell you Correct. what's on the note. We even heard an ABC report the weekend, uh, the one week following the shooting, say that uh, they believed that Paddock would pretend to talk to other people in his room while on the phone with room service and even go so far as to order food for two to pretend and make believe to the hotel staff that he was talking to somebody else. No evidence to show who was coming and going from the room if it was just him alone, which they easily could have done. No, they went you know, out on the limb, and I still have the video archived on my Vegas folder, which they say, you know, he was pretending that he had people in the room he was talking to. I mean, that level of incompetence by the media, to think that the American people would believe that, um, just shows you how much they really think of you. Yeah, and it's like casuistry. It's like a total art of deception. I mean, it's like they are implanting false narratives. It's It, it almost, here's what it makes me think of. It makes me think of, if you've ever played the game uh, Minecraft, uh, you know that if you make structures and you build these structures and they're not, you know, perfectly symmetrical, they don't make sense logically, they're not going to stand up, they're going to fall down. Um, and and so that's where I feel like this is like some giant, like, terribly designed architect, architected uh, castle that is just falling apart, falling down as we speak. And they're going to build all these blocks and all these things, like all these stories of how this and this happened from and spinning the spinning the narrative like to the then game just... Jenga. Yeah, to just to just to and... just throw smoke and mirrors right in front of you and make you argue about trivial things. You're mm-hmm. wasting your time. That they want you to waste your time. I mean, look at Sandy Hook. People are still debating and arguing what really happened at Sandy Hook. Uh, as the FBI today just released a very heavily redacted report, um, there are still people out there who, uh, for a number of reasons, believe that it didn't happen or it definitely didn't happen the way that it was reported to. There was no uh, emergency personnel allowed in the building. No ambulances or paramedics went in to attend to the wounded or even tried to revive anybody. And just like Vegas, we saw, obviously, in an active shooting situation, you're not going to send your EMS and first responders right into the heart of where the shooting is happening. But at the same time, we there was that video where after the shooting was over and they knew it was over, they turned the, the lights of the venue off. And an officer said, everybody who's laying on this field is already dead. And the guy in the video says, no, you have EMTs over here and over there and over here working on these people. They're still alive. And things like that make you wonder. And it leaves... No, no, uh, that, that's a reference to Las Vegas. Such a good to point. Las Vegas now, yeah. Right. And okay. Because you have these people who say nobody died, it was all crisis actors, no, I, and there's no blood. Oof. But no, like I said earlier, I can I can see their point to a degree because there's so many inconsistencies of what regular situations that police response would look like compared to what this looked like. 72 minutes to breach the room where the shooter was is unacceptable in any situation. Uh, when you have even the, what I just referenced, the video of the police officer saying everybody who's on the field laying there is dead when you have EMTs working on people and people being carried out in stretchers. These Just so many inconsistencies, the lack of evidence. All the information we have on Stephen Paddock, none of it relevant to anything of a motive or reasons why he did this or what led him to do this. There are more questions than answers, and they're never going to be answered. And just like with any other one of these government operations gone bad, gone rogue, or gone as planned, we are left, you know, this is where the term conspiracy theory comes into play, 
what else is left when we're not given the the proper amount or right information about what happened? We are left to our own devices, and many people gravitate Very to true. the worst possible scenario. Other people gravitate to the simplest possible scenario, and then you have the majority who go in between those two. So you're going to have a million different theories as to what happened, and unless the the investigators come out with the proof that they have, that we know they have, and say, okay, this is what happened and this is why it happened, this is never going to end. Saw that there was some a company that he's involved with uh, called Paradise Ranch. Oh yeah, twenty one. Yeah. I mean, what? Why? Why are? And there's like forty involved? Paradise Ranches in Nevada. Wait a second. Alone. Right. Who's I got involved? I got a big report for you to look at. Yep. But, but um, for the purpose of okay. And his ex-wife. Oh, sorry okay. about that. Yes. No. no okay. Stephen Paddock. All right. All right. Yeah. And his ex-wife. And yes. there's some questions as to what that. Uh, company, uh, what was it, American Paradise? Uh, it's Paradise Ranch. Paradise uh, there's, Ranch. There's like 24 what they do. or 25 of them. They're different LLCs. Uh, Paradise Ranch 21 uh, was under Stephen Paddock, and there is some connection. And Anthony, you can actually elaborate on this. There is some connection to another, yet again, a child yeah. foundation. Mm-hmm. It's weird because the if you look at the name of the corporation, um, uh, you said it was, it was uh, Paradise Ranch 21 LLC. That title, Paradise Ranch, is actually, get this, it's in the Philippines, okay? Not only the smallest connection here, with it being connected to Mary Lou Danley, um, which, of which I have no idea who she really is, um, that on top of the fact that the Philippines is a major, major explosive market for sex, tra- sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's actually nice. under martial law at the moment as well. Um, and so, you know, the, with that all being said, um, you find there's there's a place in the Philippines called Paradise Ranch, and get this, it's like a park, right? And they make all these, you know, structures, and it's kind of like this amusement kind of um, uh, deal where people come, I guess, to just, um, I guess, have fun at the park. Um, but in ultimate reality, it's funded by a child organization um, in in San Francisco, I believe, in California. There's a there's an organization. Um, I forget. I, don't recall the name of it, but it is a organization that is providing funding um, through um, the child's organization. And maybe, maybe Honeybee um, can elaborate a little bit about that. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the, of the organization. It's escaping me at the moment. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it either. And I, I, I wasn't the one that found that. That was that was on you. So you're gonna have to figure that one out. <laughs> but um, it's incredible, um, like that that the people that aren't allowed to get the information on the news. Uh, that are being stopped at every, you know, every corner to get the real story from the people that we're supposed to be trusting, the government, the M- the MSM, that we are left to go scramble around looking for the reality of the situation, you know, finding out where this guy lived, finding out where he, he worked, what he owned, um, what what's going on with his wife, this woman, um, you know, married to two guys at the same time, living with Stephen Paddock, not married to him, you know, she's going back and forth in the Philippines. Maybe there's some sex trafficking going on there, folks. Like, you know, you have Paradise Ranch, and which the, is another name for Area 51, isn't it? It has its Area 51 <laughs> it connection. Is, okay, uh, and yep, Paradise uh, Ranch 21. The reason that we know wow. it's the same Stephen Paddock as, as, as listed as a shooter is because it says he is the uh, managing member, and the address that is listed here goes right back to the address... <laughs> In Nevada, where he lived at 3773 Howard Hughes Parkway. And, but the, and, wait a second, he didn't live there. He he had, that wasn't 20, his, 
That wasn't three his different residences. <laughs> he right, had many addresses, and that so, is one of them. So that okay. leaves the question too. Uh, he was on babbling. Why was right. that address uh, raided and 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 broken into? Good point. For investigation, because if this is if this is all true. Um, then if there is a connection um, to this, there could well be a lot of evidence at his at his house about all this. Mm-hmm. And it, it totally compromises uh, any any possible attempt at actually gathering evidence in the scene. It's a total total mess at that point. Wow. Okay. We, we've only got about a minute and a half, two minutes left oh, wow. of our time together. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, to Melissa Zacharia, the honeybee. Anthony, uh, I'm not going to even try to say your last Kedorniga. name. Cordonaga. 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 You'll get it one day. It's Jones. okay. Seriously, I do this all the time. I don't, I don't belong here. We still love you. It's okay. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, um, Heather, thank you so much. She's not been on camera, but she's so sweet so, and very, very, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but, but very effective. She's dangerous. Yeah, thank you, Heather. You are dangerous. <laughs> you know, and together, it, it's just so fun. It was amazing watching them as a team today. And, and they were working separately, but together, and just the intensity. And, and the class that they brought to our, our show, my goodness, I just can't, uh, I can't say enough good. So I would ask everyone to support their efforts, to support them individually and collectively, and, and to, uh, to, to, to monitor, to, to sign on, uh, to, to their uh, Twitter feed and their social networking, to, to bookmark the websites, and to support the documentary being made. Uh, if, if anything is deserving of support, that certainly is. So with that, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank each and every, or all of you, all three of you, for being here and for classing up the place. Thank you. It, uh, it really, and, and I mean that. You got a classy operation here, my friend. This is well, a, thank you. This is more than we could ever have dreamed. You guys are amazing. Well, and uh, we'll the, hopefully come back again. Soon. Thank you. Well, yeah, it was great having you, and we hope we can have you guys back in the near future. Yeah. That's right. All right, we're gonna be right back, folks. Stay with us. Standeo up next. <laughs> Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number three of this edition of the Hagman Report. Excuse me as I'm trying to plug my ears in here so I can hear. There we go. Uh, we just had a wonderful um, in-studio guest that we just uh, concluded. And each and every Tuesday in hour number three, we are joined by Stan Dale from standale.com. And last week, Stan took a little break from the show as he was doing something pretty special to his property, and I'm going to let him tell you what he was doing because I think it's pretty fascinating, and I'm sure there's some great stories that you have in there, Stan. But it's great to have you back. I'm looking at your show images page. Folks, go to standeo.com. On the right-hand side of the page under the YouTube banner to the right of the microphone, you see the show images link. Click there, and you can follow along with the research and the other stories that Stan has put together when coming on Hagman Report to talk to us about. And Stan, I see one story right off the top that as soon as I read this morning caught my, uh, immediately made me think of you, and that's the story of Saudi Arabia becoming more moderate, uh, foregoing the more violent and extreme faction of Islam uh, with the new Saudi royal prince or king or whatever he's going to be. And I immediately thought of you when I read that story. But Stan, it's great to have you back after not having you last week, and I know there's a lot you want to get into. Uh, welcome back. Thank you, Joe. Um, a few things. The um, the thing with Saudi Arabia certainly is, uh, you know, frontline news. Holly's got it up on the news site at standio.com as well. Um, and you'll see in image 47 on the show images page that I put up every week. 
um, that I show an interview there uh, with uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and uh, he's he's trying to uh, gain the support of the common people of Saudi Arabia as opposed to the royal family, uh, because there are members of the royal family, his uh, cousins and stuff, that uh, actually want to dethrone him. They don't like his radical changes to the uh, brand of Islam they have in the country. And um, if you'll, you can read that article there, click on 47 and read the article about the changes he's making. But in, in uh, slide 46, right before that, I show a picture of uh, of uh, Mohammed bin Salman, and it tells about, uh, you know, there was an attack on the palace where he lives in Riyadh here just, uh, just within the last week. And uh, it appears that some of his relatives are thinking maybe it's time to uh, dethrone him, depose him, or kill him. I'm not sure what. Uh, so there was an incident there, and uh, they say he's uh, running on nerves at the moment because, um, uh, you know, his personality is changing. They can see that, and uh, with the growing and, and Stan, before we get too far into this, I just want to mention to you, uh, because both me and Tech Eric have noticed that, that your audio is really thin, and it and it sounds like it's a tinny, almost like you're coming to us from a can. Or, or like you're talking to us next to a, micro, a microwave that's on, uh, if I had to describe really? it. You know, I when I before show, I was trying to see what was happening there. Uh, let me see about the preferences. Uh, Eric said if we, could, if we could try to connect by phone, that would probably be the easiest. That's when we get the best audio from okay. you. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't know what's doing that. Um, yeah, all right. Um, I'll hang up from Skype, and you guys ring me on the audio, okay? Yeah, we will do that. Thanks, Stan. All right, we'll have Stan back with us in just a moment. And the article that we were talking about is on the, uh, well, this is the, this one's from the mirror.uk, but the one I read earlier today was from the Washington Post. And this is the one that Stan has up on his website. Saudi Arabia will return to moderate, open Islam and will destroy extremist ideas, says Crown Prince. The Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia has revealed the country will return to moderate, open Islam. Mohammed bin Salam bin Abdulaziz al Saud also announced the kingdom would do more to tackle extremism today. He was speaking at the Future Investment Initiative Conference in Riyadh. He said, we want to go back to what we were, the moderate Islam that is open to the world, open to all religions. Now, Stan, I know we have you back, and I want to ask you this. Uh, from what I know of Islam and its history from conquering Christian nations back you know, over a thousand years ago till today, has there ever been a time where Islam was moderate? Not really. You can see what he's doing. Not only is he trying to cement the support of the people, uh, the common people of Saudi Arabia, so they can hold his position there as a you know, crown prince and then hopefully king, but he's also laying the groundwork for tourism uh, in Saudi Arabia to reach his 2030 goal of, um, you know, making all their income from tourism and hospitality and stuff like that, uh, reducing their dependence on oil income. Now, I don't know, I've suspected this, so is, uh, so is a number of people in the states and the financial institutions, that Saudi Arabia is trying to 
divest themselves of uh, five or five percent, I think it is, of, of Aramco for two trillion dollars. They're trying to get their money in advance from their oil field by selling it off to somebody in a uh, an IPO here, which they're going to probably uh, launch out of England shortly. Now, the reason I think they're doing that is I think that the oil fields are getting thin in Saudi Arabia, and uh, they've stated they've overstated their reserves considerably by best estimates in the uh, geology field at the moment. So he's he's laying that groundwork because he wants to be everybody's friend. Come to Saudi Arabia, you can be a Christian or Jew, and we're not going to throw you in a, you know religious prison or something like that. But I still don't think it'd be wise to walk around with a copy of the Torah or of the uh, the, the Bible uh, in Saudi Arabia if you go visit. Um, there are a lot of things happening there that are being released now you know, that uh, the Saudis are, are letting the world know about as far as archaeological sites. And as I've said before uh, in, in the uh, video that I've got up on YouTube, that Saudi Arabia, primarily all of Saudi Arabia, was Atlantis, the, the uh, legendary Atlantis. It was also where Noah lived, and it was where the crossbreeding occurred. And I think if this all happened not 12,000 years ago, but uh, somewhere close to 2300 to 2400 B.C., so it's more recent, and uh, these things that they're finding there, uh, like uh, in slide 42, these mysterious stone gateway-looking things um, that they've located there uh, near uh, Harat uh, Kebar in Saudi Arabia. You can see the picture over there and click in and read about it. But these are just new artifacts that we're finding that they're releasing to us as part of their Come See Saudi Arabia plan. I'm very suspicious of it, but uh, certainly you're going to see more of Saudi Arabia in the news uh, as time passes this year. That's one, that's one thing i got to say, Stan. Um, I've noticed that, and I've noticed uh, it, it seems like you're ahead. You, you've been ahead of the curve, especially with, oh, yeah. with this. For like a year and a half, you know, now, yeah. two years. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. Oh, but, but okay. You know why? I mean... I was looking in, in the Greek, uh, in the Revelation 13, about the name of a man, that's the name of, of the beast, the first beast, which we all think it will be the Antichrist, followed by the second beast, which is the guy that we call the false prophet, or the one that holds up the, the first beast as a hero to the world and that kind of stuff. So it, when it talked about it there in Revelation 13 and said, you know, here wisdom is, and the name of the man is the, you know, uh, you know, uh, here wisdom is the name of man, and the number of the, of the man is the, the name of it. So anyway, I've got that backwards. But go back to the Old Testament, to, to, to Kings, and and look at what King Solomon earned every year. He was, he was kind of a well-known figure in the ancient days uh, about King Solomon. He he received from tributes and from his mind 666 talents of gold, and as I recall, that's like 30-some-odd thousand pounds of gold, which is considerable. But it was 666. So here wisdom is, 666. So who has that? The Bible tells you, a king named Solomon. What does that king do? Well, when that king built, uh, finished building the temple uh, to God, uh, you know, the to house the Ark of the Covenant and to, for them to do ceremony and have priests and things, he dedicated it by this long speech he makes and then he lights a fire by causing fire to come down from the heavens and igniting it. He asked God to
to honor this uh, this uh, dedication to the temple, and so God brings down lightning for Solomon and lights the, the tribute fire in the sight of the men of Israel. It says, then you you flash back up into the uh, you know the New Testament, and the Antichrist is going to cause fire to come down in the sight of man, not the men of Israel, of man. And this is exceptional in that he's going to behave like a King Solomon in our time. So that name Solomon, I thought, well, now that's, you know, Old Testament. It's, it'll probably be like King Solomon this time. All right. Um, that tells us the guy's name may be something derivative of Solomon, of course. Then I started looking at the Middle East and saw how many legends there were, uh, you know, attributed to uh, King Solomon, S-A-L-M-A-N which is the Arabic uh, legendary king, you know, rode a flying carpet and, you know, talked to the genies and that kind of stuff. Now, when Israel went into captivity, you know, was the, out of Israel and spread out through the nations, their legend of their King Solomon and the Arab King Solomon got merged together just by, well, probably by evil intent, but it was what I would call certainly like an accident. And so people started to attribute things that, that uh, Salmaneser, which was King Solomon for the Arabs, uh, and he lived uh, 100, 200 years before King Solomon of Israel was born. But they, they mix those two, and King Solomon's name in Hebrew, the real King Solomon over in Israel, his name was Shloma, Melech Shloma. It has nothing in it that sounds like Solomon. So I'm telling you that this all pointed to Arabic nations, to the name Solomon or Suleimani, uh, something like that with Solomon in it, and this person would probably be the Antichrist. And, um, you know, time after time I started finding clues in other writings, and although I don't uh, treat Nostradamus as a biblical uh, source of uh, prophecy, it is odd that he said the last Antichrist uh, of our uh, age would have the name Mabus, M-A-B-U-S, and they are calling young Prince Solomon in uh, Arabia, they're calling him MBS in the court. And in the news articles, they just refer to him as MBS. And he has set up a union of 34 Arabic countries, and uh, he's certainly set himself up to go allegedly into Iran and to defeat them. And he's going to take his army over there with this Arab union, and that's AU. So... AU, if you put those two vowels like Nostradamus did in between the M, B, and the S, it makes Mabus. I don't know whether that counts or not, but it's just very coincidental that that, uh, that description fits what I discovered by following the Bible. Uh, anyway, that's that's what led me to that, guys. It's a, a long description of, of the process. But now then, I'm watching the Saudis uh, and uh, King Salman, you know, Prince Salman's dad. He's up, uh, he had a visit up with uh, Russia with Putin. And they were talking oil and various other deals that uh, we don't know exactly what it was. And uh, and Prince Salman is organizing the Arab states that in his union to go against Iran. They don't like him because of their brand of uh, Islam. And uh, so these 34 nations are going to be taking their military troops and organization up into that area. And they're going to get right up close to Iran and probably in Syria. And when they do, it's only going to be a left turn of a few miles down into northern Israel. And so if they decided uh, decide to try to get Israel and wipe them out at that point, you know, to um, 
trade the, the agreement that uh, young Prince Salman made with uh, Netanyahu, they could do it almost turning on a dime. But I'm sure that uh, the Israelis are aware that they have not been at peace with uh, Saudi Arabia for thousands of years, that they're not going to change their spots overnight. And so I'm sure the Israelis are watching him like a hog to see if he's going to go up there allegedly to attack Iran and then turn left and come down into Israel. And if that happens, I'm sure Israel's got a big surprise for the Saudis and their Arabic Union. Anyway. Can, can I ask you, Stan, uh, just intuition, it, based on reasoned research, how close are we to seeing something like this? Man, it feels close, doesn't it? It does. And that's why I'm watching this young prince and, and his, his situation over there uh, in the country, because if he's being threatened by his relatives to overthrow him, then he's going to have to do something pretty drastic to get control of the country and get rid of his opposition there, like kill him or put him in prison. Now, that he can only do if he's going into a state of war, I think, and for national defense, he's got to do blah, blah, blah. So I'm seeing something you've probably measured in months um, before he will make that move against Israel. And as Holly put in the uh, Prophetic Perils book, when the Antichrist does do that, uh, he's going to, and it's probably going to be the, the Arab alliance. When they do that, they're going to get a horrible surprise and lose the northern half of Saudi Arabia to the Israelis. All the way down to Riyadh will then be regained property back to the original land grant that uh, God gave to Abraham. And that's, you know, that's what we're watching is how desperate his situation is becoming. He's not a good military leader at the moment. His, uh, his uh, invasion, uh, or, War in Yemen has proven that he he's, he was young and inexperienced in how to handle the war, and that caused him a lot of grief at home because of the bad handling of that. But he's learning; he is a quick study. Now, in addition to that, in addition to this war machine and trying to make peace in the Middle East and all that kind of stuff against Iran, he is also sitting on top of a bank, the, the Bank of Riyadh, and the Saudi uh, international banking. Uh, system over on the west coast near the Red Sea. Um, slide 45, if you'll see that, um, he just announced plans to build a huge new city, a mega city, they call it named Neom, and I don't know what N-E-O-M stands for. It's going to cost $500 billion, and you can see in the little icon there in that box, you can click go to the big picture later, but that city is going to be down there, uh, kind of where, um, just south of Jordan, where the uh, real Mount Sinai is, and he's going to build a bridge across the Red Sea over into Egypt, in addition to having this $500 billion city. So he's making very, you know, big moves to join the the Arab nations and uh, to have, you know, income from tourism there, and also to be able to exchange money from A to B across the world. And if you look up at the very top Slide, or sorry, next to the top slide, there, slide 50, you'll see, if you click on that, you see the the article and that large map with the banking facilities centered in Riyadh, where he lives, and the branches they've got all over Saudi Arabia, and how you can transfer money now from any country to any country through the Saudi world banking system. And this has really got to be sending off alarm bells to you, you know, world banking. I mean, this guy, you know, is raising huge amounts of capital uh, uh, to and putting capital into other uh, adventure, adventures as well with the Japanese so that he can set up this world banking system 
Um, and, you know, there's going to have to be something like blockchain involved in that. I, I saw an article here about three or four months ago where he was involved in that as well. I, I, I just, I can't shake the fact that there are so many pointers going to him. You know, you've been, again, Stan, you've been doing tremendous work on this, pointing this out for a number of years now. And it is just so fascinating to watch these different uh, things happen that, that bring this closer to fruition to what exactly it is that you were talking about. And uh, that place that he wants to build, the plans to build the megacity that would cost $500 billion, um, it, it looks pretty crazy. And it's, uh, you know, some bold moves. I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, the same old, the same old that cannot be said about this crown prince, he certainly seems to want to be shaking things up for whatever that agenda is. Uh, could it be prophetic and biblical? Absolutely, very possible. Could he be doing it for other reasons that actually play into the prophecies? Absolutely. But again, you've been right on top of the ball, and um, now I am going to be keeping my eyes on this guy. On a, I might even create my own alert on my phone just to see when his name comes up with news now, Stan. So I've certainly got it on thank my Google that. news alert. Yeah. So. You, I have you to tell you, Stan, I, I just want to say this. I, I just want to say this. I, I, I really, uh, I was never really keen on uh, an Islamic Antichrist, so to speak. I just want to say that. Not, uh, okay, I, uh, but looking at the research that you've done, I, I have to rethink everything, and you make a very compelling case for everything you've said. You he, make even if it's very the well Antichrist, a biblical well, figure right, in the least. Right, right. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you, and, and thank you for broadening my scope, because um, again, your your reasoned investigative findings to me are very compelling. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And, you know, I'm looking at that slide 45 with that red outline of where he wants to build that super city. And there are a number of us who've um, just pretty much agreed uh, between each other that Mount Sinai is inside that red circle there in just south of Jordan in Saudi Arabia there where he's going to build the city. And all the things you read about in the Exodus where where Israel is camped, uh, you know, at the foot of uh, Mount Sinai and, and Moses talks to God and, you know, they do the sacrifices we can find those places there uh, inside that red outline of where he's going to build the city. And you got to wonder if that was done with intent, you know, by Satan just to go in there and build a city and uh, make a tourist mecca right on top of where, you know, Mount Sinai was. There he is. It's just, it's just too coincidental they choose that place because it's got so many mountains and valleys and, you know, harsh terrain. But, you know, that's where the exodus occurred. Yeah, and uh, that's very interesting in and of itself, Stan. Um, just looking at the Bloomberg article again, just seeing the what it says in here on top of the uh, images and whatnot that it shows. But uh, any any correlation, do you think, between the Trump administration, his visit to Saudi Arabia, and this shift in Islamic policy that we're seeing there? Uh, yes, yes, quite possibly. Um, although the administration here, you know, the White House does denies the fact that they're uh, pursuing a peace agreement in the Middle East between Israel and the Arab nations. The backdoor story, as I show in image 43, is that the Israelis think that 
that that is going on behind the scenes. And, of course, the White House is denying it. But this has been involved with, um, you know, Jared uh, Kushner talking to the Arabs, you know, to the Saudis, to the Egyptians, uh, and to the Israelis. There is a, a move toward a peace agreement with Israel. Now, to set that up, uh, biblically, time-wise, I don't know where that peace agreement comes before the invasion by the Arab uh, Consortium in, into Israel or after, but... It, the groundwork is being laid right now, so we have to watch all these things, uh, you know, with what the administration is doing. They're certainly not telling us everything openly, and I wouldn't want our administration to, for, you know, to forecast their moves in, in public if they are, you know, critical of national defense or very sensitive negotiations. You wouldn't want to tell everybody in the world what you're doing on the day, but hopefully they're doing the right thing. What scares me is when you talk peace treaty and you see Netanyahu and uh, President Trump, you know, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Trump, when you see them agreeing on this and kind of talking peace and and Trump's uh, son-in-law going over and negotiating behind the scenes, you've got to wonder if this is the peace treaty that the Antichrist will ratify. He's not, doesn't mean that uh, President Trump or Netanyahu is the Antichrist. It just means that if they do that treaty and it is ratified, let's say, by the leader of the 34 uh, Arab Nation Consortium, who happens to be a prince, then he might be the prince of the covenant. So all these little things we have to balance in our mind and not go crazy, but see where they point. Just follow the evidence. Very interesting, Stan. I want to kind of switch gears here. I don't know if okay. I see. I don't see this on your um, on your show images page. Whatever happened to the asteroid that was going to be coming within, I think, 5,000 uh, miles between the Earth and the Moon on October 12th, I believe it was, that I people we were worried about? about. That. Did we talk about that? Didn't we? I thought we Before did. Before it happened. Yeah, I thought we okay. did. Yeah, um, it, yeah. I know Stan wasn't with us last week, so I, I don't remember. It was the week before. Yeah, week but, before. Um, yeah that, that asteroid uh, was to dip down inside of our outermost orbits, you know, mainly communications uh, satellites. And um, and then go on its merry way, uh, but it will. They, as I understand it, they did uh, have a look at it. If it's, uh, uh, in fact, it might have been. Let me see. Was that was that the twenty fourth day, or was it in early November? I seem to remember looking that up. Uh, uh, you know, was there two? And forgive me for that. Yeah. Question, but I thought there was might have been two because. I fell into that same. I had that same question. Yeah, you know, it's on November the eighth. It's not yet. Okay. It's on November the eighth. Ah, okay. It was discovered in two thousand five. It's uh, classification is YU fifty five, and it'll have that close encounter we're talking about, where it hits the upper uh, orbits of our communication satellite. Now <clears throat> they're going to try to steer it or, or make some deviation in its course. And they're saying right now there's, that it's close. I mean, actually, if it's coming to orbits of our satellites, that's pretty close. But that um, when it returns in 2020 or whenever it's a near return sometime, that it might be a little closer. And so that's why they're playing with this and to see if they can get it to move with their uh, new idea about uh, shifting an asteroid's path. And I think that's the, the main purpose of this thing is to see if it will respond to the gravitational tractor type um, uh, method they're going to use with a, a satellite going up to, to look at it. Or, you know. as I, Stan, as I said before, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you did say that. 
Yeah, you got to wonder. Hold my, hold my beer and watch this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's 2028 when it'll come back again. Um, uh, it came this close to 1976, and now it's going to come that close again. Uh, and on the 8th, and then the next time will be in 2028. But uh, that's only one, and there are so many hundred larger ones like that that we haven't even been able to see to catalog their orbits yet. Um, I believe the Bible, you know, in the book of Revelation, talks about a burning star, a bright thing, you know, falling into the ocean and, you know, killing fish, boiling the water and stuff and poisoning it. I believe that's going to be an asteroid of some description. Now, it probably won't be a, you know, a, an, an extinction event for the whole planet, but there are going to be a lot of fish and, and, and uh, probably people on the coast where the tidal wave, or sorry, where the surges will go from the impact, uh, the, the uh, uh, tsunamis. Uh, that will suffer and you know lose property and possibly die because it will be a rather rapid thing when it hits. We're going to see it, and I don't think it's going to be that one. Um, but uh, it's just proof that we have those big ones floating around out there, and and they only discovered this in 2005, which is what like 12 years ago. And they're doing their best, but they know that if you can't see it from the light or from the infrared from it, that there's no way to track it. And so we're kind of you know taking potluck. What else can you do? Exactly. And you all laugh at me for wearing my bicycle helmet outside. But well, no. you're obligated to by law, so. That's <laughs> Yeah, well, that's okay. If you won't laugh at me for wearing my tinfoil hat for the UFO thing, so. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you, you know, you got to laugh. You just have to laugh at it's some of this because it, it's, uh, you know, it, when you it's said 2000, 2005, 12 years ago, Think about that statement just for a second, and the you know, uh, wow, seems like and uh, in, in two thousand one was what uh, sixteen years ago, incredible. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, you know the army has what they call the Mars program, uh, and uh, actually Department of Defense uses it uh, in the Air Force as well, but it, it's where they they have a, a communication network with amateur radio hams. And each each radio ham that's a member of Mars has to be uh, vetted, you know, security checked, and all that kind of stuff. And they're given a a secure code they can use on their their Mars handheld units to report to each other and to the central command about disasters or, or things in progress in their area, whether it be like invasion or um, tsunami or whatever. And this emergency network has, you know, been established for some time. And, of course, you read about it when you get your license for ham radio. But they made an announcement, a bulletin, um, the 24th today to all radio astronomers or amateur astronomers in Mars. It's the ARL, uh, A-R-R-L, uh, bulletin number 19, ARLB019, October 24th this year. And the third paragraph in it uh, is rather interesting that they would choose this as a test for the Mars communication network at this time. This exercise, it says, will begin with a national massive coronal mass ejection event, which will impact the national power grid, as well as all forms of traditional communication, including landline, telephone, cell phone, satellite, internet connectivity. Um, said the Army Mars Program Manager, Paul English, and I give you a uh, uh, ham radio code, and it's 
he explained it in an announcement. Um, they'll request county-by-county county status reports in this um, pretend coronal mass ejection power out for all of the 3,143 U.S. counties and county equivalents to gain what they call situational awareness and determine the extent of impact of this scenario on the community. So I don't have that link up, but the reason I told you what it was is so you could look it up and read it yourself on the uh, amateur radio, or ARRL, uh, website. Um, with the sun behaving like it is, and you can see on the uh, show images page there where I have, uh, at slide 41, a nice picture of the solar wind that's coming out of a dirty big hole in the coronal atmosphere. And I've, I'm looking now, what are we, at the 24th? I'm looking in about 7, 8, 9, in about 10 days to 12 days, somewhere in that region, to see what happens when that, that really nasty sunspot area on the back of the sun comes around and points at us again. During that time, it could release you know, a halo coronal mass ejection right at Earth, and it could produce you know, um, a blackout on the, the power grid. So when you put that together with the government saying, okay, let's have, you know, a MARS test, an MARS test of uh, a, you know, a fictitious uh, coronal mass ejection hitting the Earth. And, uh, you know, let's do that now. Um, you know, you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Uh, they're doing it November 4th and 6th, which is very close to when that, uh, that uh, could be possible as far as the active region of the sun coming around that we know produces those kind of things in this cycle. Isn't that strange? Uh, it might be frightening, maybe. I don't know. Not, not coincidental, I, I suspect, is what you're... Yeah. Perhaps not coincidental, right? We're just having a drill. It happens to be on the, the the days that we might possibly see a coronal mass ejection come out of the sun right at us, you know, like the Carrington event in the 1800s, but you know, this, is just a, this is just a pretend thing to see if we could handle such a thing. I, You know, i, I got to wonder about this. It, it seems like <laughs> there's a pattern here, obviously. So, well. Yeah. Keep our eye At on. least we have that kind of a, of a system in place to help us, um, you know, in case it does happen, which right. is a very convenient way of having these guys all alerted and ready to help us as spotters and, uh, you know, information sharers. Um, you know, fortunately, my partner in the energy research and the EMP Shield business is a member of Mars, and he's one of the guys they send the information to. So we'll have a good, uh, a good, uh, Leg up, and when the alert starts. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Well, well, if I can just make another joke, call me after that. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh dear. Yeah, I know. You got to laugh as you say. And that's there, right. There are there are things happening uh, in our uh, geology of the planet and you know the ecosphere that uh, are definitely signs of the sun doing something uh, extraordinary. It may be periodic, but it's still extraordinary for us to handle. Uh, slide 44 I've got up there shows the Arctic sea ice mm. that uh, they realized suddenly in this article that the sea ice over the north pole, the northern ice cap there in Greenland, that area, is about 25% less than they thought it was because of the way they were taking their satellite readings, the salt water on top of the ice was skewing their readings so that you know, they thought they had um, more ice up there than they than they do. And so it's really saying that, whoa, we made a mistake. There's
price than we thought, then it, it's it's uh, if it keeps up at this rate, uh, it'll all be gone, and it won't be next year unless it gets worse. But uh, they're saying between 2040 and 2050 that um, we could see a complete denuding of the ice in the, in the Arctic. Um, Stan, I thought the Arctic was gaining sea ice. And the Antarctic yeah, was... did, didn't you? Yeah. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> That's the, that they're saying. Look, oops, we made a mistake. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, and I just saw something. I, th- I thought of you s- going in the opposite way in the su- in the south, Antarctica. Um, isn't South Africa on some sort of a drought? Uh, water they, they've got a water fresh water problem as a result of what's taking place in the south pole i know it's not the arctic but it's i it's, I, I don't know I, well I, I i've guess. been you know as you know we've talked about this in the show over the last few years about the difference in ice formation at the uh, north pole versus the south pole um for a while there the the uh, North Pole ice was melting at twice the speed of that at the South Pole. Then the South Pole turned around and started gaining ice, which might be the current situation. But it's gaining ice in a tight region at the same time that its uh, coastal ice uh, flows are melting and sliding off of the landmass down there into the ocean uh, from the heat, probably from a number of volcanoes that are becoming active underneath uh, the coastal regions of South America, of South Antarctica there. So, you know, I. It's a mystery to me. Uh, I thought at first it might be that this, the way gravity works on a planet, that, that periodically the polar area is thin and heat comes out into the uh, the surface at the poles. But it was it was lopsided. It was more heat coming at the North Pole, and the North Pole actually was drifting at twice the speed of the drift of the South Pole. Uh, why was that happening? And I thought, well, let's explain it, but it's lopsided. It should be coming out of both poles. Well, now... Um, the South Pole is, is is icing over in the center region, but on the coast it's not. It's still, the the thing is trying to release heat, but for some reason the weather patterns are dropping ice on the on Antarctica. I, you know, I, anybody can figure this out. It's going to be a genius. I'll tell you, it's just a mystery to me. I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah exactly. Wow, my oh, goodness. Yeah, there are so many things looking down the barrel at us. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, this is the year I think we're going to see things like um, a full disclosure of the uh, alien presence, if not this year, early next year. I keep saying it every year, but now then, like in slide 40, you get a guy, a U.S. Navy guy, that um, filmed a UFO that uh, buzzed the the Nimitz uh, destroyer uh, 20 years ago, and this guy used to work at Area 51. And you can see his, his quick little video if you click on that and go to their, their website and read about it. But the, when you get people that are pretty much qualified, you know, government officials, military officials coming out, uh, like the Canadian former defense minister and stuff, and they're saying they're here, you know, the aliens are here, they're laying the groundwork for a sudden revelation that, yes, they are here, we can prove it now, when all along, you know, since, gosh, 1950, we've we've known behind the scenes that they were here. It's, it's identifying who they are, who they work for, really, and, and how the Bible treats them. And in my mind, this is part of the great deception spoken of in Matthew 24. Don't be deceived by them. You know, uh, it says that this it will deceive even the very elect, 
and uh, would that be Israel, like, you know, the true nation of Israel? Would that be the church? I don't know, but uh, it would deceive them if such were possible. And the only way I can figure it couldn't be possible is if the elect aren't here, or they're taken to a place of safety anyway and, and protected by Jesus. But um, that that tells me that that slide 40, we're getting closer and closer to the moment that the surprise revelation, you know, disclosure of the alien president is going to be released to the public as though, well, we always thought so, but we weren't sure, and here they are, and let's hope they're friendly. And that will only be of value if the world system, the economic system, the political systems, and, and uh, the geophysics, if all of that's in chaos, and if we have a nuclear war breathing down our neck, which <laughs> North Korea certainly is, is trying to do, and Iran is trying to do, um, these things, and, and a financial crisis, which is going to hit us shortly with the uh, the share market and the uh, the world uh, economic system, the world currency system, uh, people will be ready then to to accept you know some kind of a alien savior type thing. Stan, what do you think? I don't know if you've seen the latest news about China and the president of China calling for a new era in China in China and Chinese politics for the next hundred years wanting to dominate the earth both politically and economically and moving with their BRICS nation currencies towards uh, removing the dollar as the world reserve currency for their gold-backed currency. Have you heard about that? Yep, yep. And Jing Yang or whatever his name is, the, the president over there, you can see what Holly's putting up on the website today, um, that this guy is really moving toward being the new Mao Zedong of uh, China and making it a communist superpower to overthrow, you know, even the, the strength of Russia. Uh, it's heading that way. You're, you're right. Yeah, and, and it's just, uh, we've had so many economists on and uh, people who talk about how this really uh, would be the end uh, of the United States economy and our way of life as we know it as so many things would happen if just alone the U.S. lost its world reserve currency status. Well, uh, remember, uh, those Trump, things would turn us into Venezuela, you know, in a matter of weeks or months. But you remember, uh, and Stan, I, I don't know, uh, I, I think I think you were on as well, when I wrote an article about the, the uh, economists wanting to kill the dollar. Right. And, and that, that was the intent. And there was a cover from the economists in 1983. 84. 84, that said, you know, the year of the one world currency, 2018. Well, I believe it. I mean, the, we're heading that way. The the share market is uh, gaining, you know, value, or at least number value, uh, faster than the rate of inflation, which tells you there's something wrong. It's a bubble that's going to burst. It's getting mighty thin at the top. Um, and so, yeah, 2018 would be, you know, a, a very good target right after Christmas and the... Uh, personal credit debt goes up and uh, a number of other things that are oriented around the holidays here. Um, it's going to hurt. What would you think of the deficit, the 666? I mean, <laughs> pretty <laughs> ominous, right? Uh, it is. Uh, you can see that in a number of other things over the, the time, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, it is ominous. And with the threat of the nuclear war, this is the thing that we're watching immediately here. Um, we can see that uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt uh, power-wise. And if America loses its power grid, then it's going to be de- depending on local generation of power uh, and and homes. And that gets to the point of what uh, Tim and I, uh, Tim Carty is my uh, partner's name in this research, um, 
a uh, an EMP shield is what it amounts to to shield against the uh, 10 nanosecond pulse, uh, what's called E1 in the uh, EMP in nuclear EMP dictionary. And uh, so he designed it. We thought, well, you know, this will cover EMPs from the sun, which we're looking at the first week of November. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, a pretend thing, but uh, very likely it could happen. And uh, then we've got uh, nuclear war threats from uh, North Korea, which could very well materialize. We're not well defended against that. Uh, you know, B-52 bombers are so old that uh, there's no way I can see that they would be a major effect on North Korea. Anyway, so here we are. We designed this, and then we thought, right, everybody else would probably like one. We can't make enough of them to supply the whole country in the next two or three weeks. But uh, we did set up a, a website, and uh, we've got a manufacturing line being set up over in Kansas uh, with Canseal, who, you know, they're uh, uh, a nuclear reactor-type company. They, they uh, maintain nuclear reactors. They make seals for the, the uh, water circulation, stuff like that. And so they kindly uh, let us put our uh, manufacturing facility there and use some of their employees as well to make this and get it out to people. If you look at slides 50 through 52, 53, and 54, you can go over and see Canfield's site and see the kind of stuff they do. And then you can see our website, which you branch to off of theirs. Um, and you can see our shopping cart. Uh, we've already promised the first 500 uh, orders would go to like you know people that have heard on Hagman or visit our website, because that's basically all we can make uh, until about the third week of November. So those uh, we're making available we're going to start delivering I think uh, Tim said by the end of the week or early next week um, we're making some design changes for people that have peculiar circumstances like solar arrays and uh, solar power you know, generation what kind do they need what voltage do they need and what thickness to get in certain places so these first three models are ready to go off I've, I've got one here and uh, I've held them uh, they're for three phase and two phase like your home and business um, and so, you know, it's sad we didn't have this before, so we could do a lot more of them for people. But uh, there will be 500 ready um, over the next 10 days to 15 days. But you can order one, and the first 500 of you to do, and there are already, you know, several hundred that are doing that. But when it's 500, we're out of stock. <laughs> so, and Stan, but, this uh, is what you were doing last week. Uh, yeah, that's why I wasn't correct. here. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, Tim came know, over, and uh, Tim came over here from from Kansas, and uh, we uh, did a lot, a lot of testing and design and working out, uh, you know, the instructions that we give to people how to put it in or how to have their electrician put it in, and what, you know what it would work to do, you know how it would shunt stuff, and you, you wouldn't believe how much uh, effort there is. You invent it, you can manufacture it, but then you've got to have patent applications, you know, to keep you so that you're not sued by anybody, and uh, you know. The, from various uh, agencies in Canada and here in Mexico to let them be installed in the fuse boxes of people. Um, we had no idea the amount of work it was going to be, but we're not sleeping much, and that's why I missed the show last week, is we just could not spare the time. Okay. Well, it's a very interesting uh, product, it looks like. And, and folks, if you're on the standeo.com website, go to the show images page. Right on the very top of the page, Hagman listeners, our new EMP shield device is ready for sale. Use coupon code FIRST500 when ordering to get $50 off the retail of 349 
uh, unit dimensions of the first three versions we are releasing are six inches wide, uh, two and a half feet deep, and no, three two and, and a half, half inches. Two and a half oh, inches. I'm sorry, two and a half inches deep, <laughs> three and a half inches tall. Uh, I'm sorry about that, Stan. And right. I think you sent some pictures I to John. It was Cubans. <laughs> oh, okay. I think in the email last week you sent some pictures um, that I have not looked at yet, but I'll check well, them out. All you got to do is click on that uh, that slide fifty three, and it'll take you over to okay. front page of our uh, shopping cart, and you can see those three units there. And um, clicking on any of them, uh, particularly the middle one, that takes you to the home unit. Uh, you know, that takes you over to have a look at the thing a little bit closer, and uh, we'll be. Expanding descriptions and putting circuit uh, connection diagrams and stuff up uh, over the next few days. We're just ah, right. swamped. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, now, Stan, it, I, and I, I'm sure other listeners have the same question. If I were to get one, order one of these today, and, and, and have it in my hand, we'll say on Monday, um, call up my electrician or the you know an electrician. Would he know what to do with this or? We would tell him with the sheet that comes with the product, but uh, basically all he's going to have to do is we have two ways to mount this on the wall next to your your fuse box or your circuit breaker box, and uh, you can either screw it in. We've got the screw holes on it. You can screw it into the wall, or you can use the industrial Velcro, pa- Velcro patch you put on the back, which, believe me, is so tough that it's like a neodymium magnet when you try to get it off, but that'll fix it to the wall, and then there are four wires that come out of there for the home unit over into your fuse box. Now, for mine, we just uh, cut a little hole in the sheetrock and ran the wire down underneath and up inside the circuit breaker. You have to take off the front panel. There are about four or five screws almost. I mean, take off that metal panel of the door. Take that off. Your electrician will do that. And he will find um, two circuit breakers with at least 20 amp uh, current carrying cap uh, capability. And one will be on one phase of your house and the other will be on the other phase because, believe it or not, you have two phases in your home. And two two of those four wires, one of them will go on phase one and the other will go on phase two. They just screw into the circuit breaker. There's a little place to do it on all the circuit breakers. And the other wire will go to the neutral bar and also to the ground. The, the fourth one will go to the ground bar. Um, that way, it's right there where your power comes into your house. And it will service not only the, the things hooked up in your house to that box, but any sub-panels you've got uh, for workshop or basements or things like that. But the reason that Tim designed it to put it right at the place where your power comes in is that there are no long wire links in the walls that can act as antennas to pull the EMP pulse in into part of your house. Uh, this hits it at the very beginning, and in, in 10 billionths of a second, this thing switches and says, ah, We've got you know a, a super voltage rise from an EMP. Let's let's just pass it straight through to ground and bypass the the household uh, electric supply. And that's what it does. Um, it, there are methods that have been uh, used by radio ham operators that uh, we've incorporated some of those into this design. But this design is four times, maybe five times better than the military specifications for the same kind of device for military operations. Uh, we're going to show you on the website here, uh, it's one of the things we're preparing, is a comparison of how fast ours reacts compared to the, the government one. And, you know, you'll see that uh, in the government one, one hit and it blows them up. 
hours can go several hundred to maybe even 300 hits from an EMP before it goes. And so I'm telling you, we've got the best design you can have in, in the civilian world at the moment for this kind of thing. And it started out just to solve our problem, but, you know, it'll solve your problem too. Wow. Well, well okay, I, my wife won't allow me to play with the fuse box, so I'm going to have to call the electrician. <laughs> it, uh, however, it's not a major job, uh, Doug, but uh, we do suggest uh, in the paperwork we're putting in it that you get uh, a qualified electrician to do it just for insurance purposes and for safety purposes, okay? Because you're, okay. you're in there floating around with 120 to 200, and, you know, uh, 110 to 220 volts, so you don't yeah, want to yeah. do that unless you're experienced. And... Um so, so it's that simple. So it's almost, and, and I don't want to minimize this, but it's almost like a a, a, a really high quality, high uh, surge protector, almost, right? It is. It is. It is. Okay. Uh, certainly, this will handle like the things that normal surge protectors uh, protect against. But this goes further into, you know, the high impulse uh, right. nuclear uh, EMP events. So, yeah, I'm excited about this. I I really am excited about this because. I, I cannot think of a better. I'll tell you what. I can't think of a better Christmas gift or or, or birthday gift or any gift or, or just. I can't think of anything better than this. What about? Okay, so, so my home, let's say, is protected by this device. Upline uh, the transformers between my home and the electric company or wherever the power is coming from. Uh, um, wouldn't they be destroyed? I mean, they could be. They could be. Uh, we don't know exactly how much hardening of our grid is being done by the government. Um, I don't think the the former administration did much, but uh, this administration, um, if it's doing it, is doing it quietly. We think they are. Um, the solar EMPs, are the the longer, slower uh, uh, pulses, uh, relatively speaking. Um, they will strike the grid, and uh, that's what needs to be hardened uh, to save your power coming to your home. I don't know that all places in the U.S. grid system are hardened yet. Uh, that's why we suggest people look at uh, at solar or diesel or gas, whatever, as an auxiliary supply until power is returned. Um, and the other thing we're doing with this antenna system we're looking at to get electrostatic wave conversion is um, being able to set up kits for people to put in their own uh, power uh, uh, access device with this antenna and a little circuit that goes with it. Um, we can't go and install all these ourselves. It just it, it takes too long, too much money to do that, but we can certainly give you a kit and how to do it and, uh, you know, make your own power supply so that when the grid goes down, you can you can uh, have power. So, so still, gonna, we've got teething You're not going to make a service that. call? You're not going to make a service call to, to Florida? No, no, you know, no, no call. Like Midnight for service calls, no. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic. And in addition, as you said, in tandem with the um, power supply, I suppose, power supply yeah. unit. Okay. Wow. Oh, to, to, for the people out there, I know a lot of your audience are electronics or ham guys. Uh, we're, we, we found out how uh, Henry Murray did his uh, circuit and his device. So we're using modern components and... Uh, uh, trying to use those uh, at, at a minimum, which, you know, as far as semiconductors can't be destroyed. So we're, we're making it as simple as possible, and we're exploring a, a new way to get the energy, the high-voltage energy that comes off uh, into your household levels with a mechanical process, which 
can be repaired with uh, parts locally available to most people should it go down for some reason. All right. EMP and shield hopefully, is hopefully we can get it to that. work where we put the antenna underground. We're, we're right. playing with that idea. This is so neat, talking about this and, and just considering this, all of this. Wow. All right. Stan, we only got about uh, two minutes left. I can't believe that. I want to ask you about show images number 40, Alien Bombshell, U.S. Navy filmed UFO that defied physics, former Area 1 insider claims. I gave this story a quick glance. I also saw a video this week where a professional film crew was on an airplane actually captured what is a UFO, uh, you know, whizzing by their plane, going so fast they slowed it down you know four six eight times and you can still barely see what it is it just looks rare whatever whatever the case may be and i've also been watching uh different ufo sightings from the iss it was a compilation video and this stuff fascinates me uh anything to this particular case that you've seen stan well i uh, the the video enlargement that he's got in his video there of the craft uh, makes it look a bit like um, the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars. It's got those two humps, you know, two kind of yeah. cylinders. Um, that's a new one for me. But uh, there are so many ways to make these things do what they do that uh, the various shapes, I don't know why they would specialize to make one like that, but... What what uh, this guy saw on, on the image there was, you know, it's way up high. The aircraft uh, are up there, and they see it, and all of a sudden it drops down to within 50 feet of the ocean, stops on a dime. It's like like that uh, sci-fi movie where the kid is captured by this silver uh, intelligent um, spacecraft, and he's called the Navigator, and that thing could just go up to, to you know, orbital heights just <laughs> like that and then zip down to within, you know, 10 or 15 feet of the ground and just stop like, you know, there was a brick wall there, but it didn't crash into anything. And that's what this guy saw. And and those can, in my opinion, only be done with uh, systems that are um, controlling gravity and the inertia from gravity so that you don't collapse the ship or kill the people inside when you make these kind of maneuvers. But that's why he said it defied physics, because they don't know uh, publicly anyway about uh, how uh, anti-gravity works and uh, Uh, you can do these things without hurting you very interesting and on that article on the bottom right hand side there is another article I saw earlier uh, over the weekend Uh, God to be replaced by AI new religion to be created by computers Dan Brown claims. Now, Dan Brown was the author of the Da Vinci Code. He has in no way any kind of an authority on anything to do he's, with he's AI or busy, God. He's uh, busy assailing uh, God. You know? But this goes to the narrative of what you said earlier, Stan, about the coming of this alien God and this mass deception that they will get us to want to accept. Uh, and when you have people like Dan Brown who perverted the gospel through uh, his movie, The Da Vinci Code, basically uh, claiming that Jesus had, uh, you know, children. Um, it's no surprise that he is here trying to promote AI as a new religion, taking the place of God. It's pretty, uh, it's the way of the world anymore. Stan, we are at the end of the program, out of time. want to thank you so much for joining us. It was a fast hour. It was a very interesting hour. And thank you for not only uh, uh, showing the EMP-proof uh, technology to the audience, but offering the sale and discount for those who want to take advantage of it. Absolutely. You bet, guys. 
Lord willing, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you so much, Stan. That'll do it for us tonight. Yep. I, I just want to say thank you to John Robertson, Eric the Tech, for everything they did today to make such a fantastic in-studio appearance happen. Eric worked his butt off. John worked his butt off. And, Joe, thank you uh, as well for everything you've done. And I want to thank the Honey Bee and her crew for coming in here and really um, just just a tremendous show tonight. That's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to say thanks. And thanks to the listeners, too, and viewers, because you guys make it happen. Absolutely. Have a good night, everyone. All right.